another episode of Cathode Raycast, the Story Screen Presents podcast where we talk about all things television. I'm your host, Bernadette Gorman-White, and today I'm joined by... Robbie Anderson. Woop woop. Woop. I think uh, I'm feeling a little sad, but also very happy to talk about this with you. I I only have too many emotions here or there yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to, to jump in. Yeah. yeah. So... Listeners, we're here to talk about Legion, Season 3, the series finale, of FX's amazing, wonderful, beautiful, time trip show. Perfect. That we didn't know Maybe. we needed, but we totally needed. Perfect is the perfect word to describe <laughs> it. So, for this first half, Robbie, if you agree, I thought it would be best to talk about maybe set design how the show looks, the cinematography, so the directing. The, the things around it, besides yeah. the meat and potatoes. Yeah, and then cool. maybe the second half get into actual like plot and character. Sure. Uh, we'll try to skirt around that kind of stuff for this first half, just to get into the world that Legion has built for this third season, because mm-hmm. every season has felt so different, stylistically, and also pacing-wise. I think they've really kept it fun and fresh every single season. Yeah. And... Yeah, uh, overall thoughts, Robbie, on this wonderful show. Um, I loved it all the way through. I, I, I know, you know, even through talking to you, Bernadette, and then even reading some, like, reviews online, which I've kind of stayed away from throughout this, like, run, because the first episode of the season was, like, to a little lukewarm uh, reception. I think some people weren't, like, necessarily sold on it. And uh, I was in since the first episode. I think the whole season was carried out exactly the way it had to be you mm-hmm. know i don't think there's any other better i don't think we live in any other timeline where there's a better version of, of the final season of this show right. um and you know i think the last episode may have like left me with some moments of like incompleteness but i think that might be something i need to massage out and talk with my therapist about or you <laughs> and uh we'll get there but uh to, to pull back and just even talk about Set designy elements, music, things like that. I mean, you know, the show just has a style unlike anything I've seen before, but also pays homage to like so many things I have seen before. If that kind of makes sense, like it's it's seventies psychedelic, it's kung fu movie at times, it's a commentary on what perception and reality is, and then the show really throws like time into it and the way that they choose to make us as the audience perceive time and understand time is is conveyed truly through set design in a way that makes it really accessible to us and you know i I think legion whereas like aloof and confusing it can be um it really gives you all the tools that you need to understand it and you might just have to kind of dig to get there but um yeah man i mean like I think some of even the more visually striking elements is, is even in the first half of the season when you're with uh, David and his like commune, and uh, and yeah, so that's that's my quick bit on it. Oh yeah, I think they did a really interesting thing with this third season. That kind of leading up to it in the first and second season, it, it is a little ambiguous to mm. the time and the setting it takes place. Right. And I know watching that first season, you're left wondering, well, this could be present day. But there are a lot of weird callbacks, whether it's the fashion or yeah. some of the lingo. Even the or, technology that they're... Like, no one's using a cell phone, right. necessarily, but you don't really notice it. 
because there are so many other interesting tech right. things going on. Yeah, like but, the vape drug. Yeah, like the like, vape drug. Like, I don't know. I don't think they had one of those in the 70s either. So I don't know. <laughs> Probably not, but maybe they did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have some, like, really concrete, like, theories about, like, what this show is as a timeline since the last episode, and maybe mm-hmm. we can save that for, like, the second half, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think the, I think the, the show gives you a little bit more kind of, uh, hard, hard outs or hard understandings of what the reality of, of these three seasons have been, and the very brief things that are said in the last episode. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, they finally start doing some very concrete time things in the third season. But yeah, I love, I don't understand the lukewarm reception, I guess, to the first episode, because I'm on your team for sure. Yeah. I was there for it instantly. And it does take you as an audience member, I think, saying, yes, you do whatever you need to right. do. I am here. But if you're resisting, which is a common theme in Legion, if you are resisting the indoctrination of it, of yeah. what you're getting, you're going to have a hard time wrestling with it. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I feel like we might even talk about with like season two, about like that first episode being such a departure from season one that it was like a little jarring at first, but then once you see what they're committing to, you're like pretty much on board with it. Mm-hmm. Or you are on board. I mean, you are, you're not, right? Right. Um, and I think like, you know, with the first episode of season three, it's kind of like they're... They're just introducing a lot of new things that they have to, like things that become like very important later in the season. Um, so yeah, it's another example of just like you're there or not. You just you can't beat the first episode of season. No. Still probably the best episode of the Possibly. Yeah. Up for debate, but uh I think probably the most uh well rounded. If you're going for episodes that are actually giving you a good taste of what's going on with pretty much yeah. all of the characters. Yeah, that first episode. Oh my goodness. I mean, it kind of has, like, everything that the series as a whole does, but rounds out the edges. But I guess it's probably what a pilot is supposed to do. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of executing all the promises of, of the show in a roundabout way. That's solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very surprised not to go too far ahead. But I think the pilot episode is a little bit longer than a normal episode. Is it like an hour instead of, like... Like an hour, yeah, like yeah. a good... I want to say it was an hour and a half walk of time. But oh, really? Because I know the last But essentially, episode, yeah. you know, cut for commercial, it's probably like an hour, yeah. five minutes. Because you know? I was watching what the, the times were of this season, and I noticed that, like, it was pretty much only the last episode had a few extra minutes tacked on. I think the last episode was like 52 minutes. It's every like 48 or something, so. Right. Who yeah. knows if that's by design. I had really hoped that that last episode was going to be an hour and a half, two hours, but yeah. it's okay. They, it's the thing all right. is, like, you watch and you're like, what more do I actually need? That's why I had, that's why I had to grapple with seeing that last episode and be like, yeah, but what more could they really have put in there that wasn't already there? For me, you know? Right. Yeah, it was kind of unfortunate because the last episode, in not a bad way, mm-hmm. but it makes you realize, oh, well, some of these other character moments that we saw maybe in episode you know, five or six, mm-hmm. that was the last time we saw those people. Surprising. And I, guess I had yeah. kind of hoped that maybe we would see more of a reconciliation with some of those characters later on. But definitely in that last episode, you understood, because of certain lines that the characters are saying, that that was the last time you were seeing them on screen. I was and it made me very sad when those lines were being said, because you knew, yeah. you knew it was the last thing. 
Yeah, I held out hope for some characters. I actually read an interview with one of the characters who, uh, in like the fourth to the last episode, gets off along with like a few others. And you know, I kind of with Legion, you never know who's gone or who's still there or what reality they exist in because people come back or or go to the astral plane. Who knows? And and the the person playing this character was just like, no, that was that was it for me. I was like, oh wow, that's. Early. It's a hard out. I thought yeah. I also thought it was early, but then again, it's like. But it know, made sense for the show. Exactly, like you know, given given what they were doing and how they went out and, and all the things attached to it, it's just like, yeah, what more do you want to squeeze out of this character? I, you know, I think the thing about Legion, and you can say this about a few other TV shows, is that like it really knows when to kind of like sit down or like kind of be like, you know, we we set our feet. This is what you're getting. This is complete. It may not feel super fulfilling right now, but it will make more sense later. It's also a very strong uh, testament to how good the writing is. Yeah. Because once those characters are off screen, they don't cease to exist. Mm-hmm. You very much can see certain characters still going about their day to day, or yeah. what would have happened if not this. Mm-hmm. They still seem fully fleshed out enough that they don't need to be on the page. Like they're fully living yeah. somewhere else. Either, you know, if they have the capacity to do so, you know. Just right. because you didn't see them one more time doesn't they're not off doing something Just else. Doing something else, yeah. Right. For sure. Right. Yeah. But yeah, this first episode, uh, just to talk about the costuming, uh, one of the characters goes into a clothing store, essentially, and you just see racks and racks of clothing. Yeah. And the costuming in this season is out of this world. It's out of this level. world. It's not good. Cool I mean, the yeah. whole show, the costume designer was killing it but especially in season three i think they just they really hit the nail of kind of being like hipster ambiguous like <laughs> 70s ambiguous like i'm not sure if there's any other like, way to say it um, right <laughs> you know that kind of you know you got some polyester here you got some like, weird patterns it feels psychedelic but yeah i, th- I just think like the, the promise of legion in general is that it's just trying to be a trip mm-hmm. you know in every kind of sense of the word they just really know it from start to finish. Even, like, you know, the end credits of, of every episode this season is, like, in some weird, like, psychedelic membrane of, yeah, like, 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 ending test credits. Tube or yeah, 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 like, it's, like, Petri dish of whatever. Yeah, and I totally buy it every time. Like, it's, it's a very trippy show for, like, I mean, there, there's, like, characters doing drugs, but even the drugs are ambiguous, like, mm-hmm. no one's just, like, you're doing acid. Are you, even in this season, they're probably, the drug's more grounded than it's Probably, yeah. Yeah, we kind of know what it is to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Or know what it isn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know that we can we rule out other it. things. Yeah, it's, it doesn't exist in our world. No. That is, to be sure. Probably a good thing. Right? I don't know. Maybe uh, just like one done, little trip. I haven't done it. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd have to exist on the continent now. I think I'm so. not sure if I'm signing up for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so listeners, if you've listened to our season two podcast, we kind of did like a what do we expect? in season three type of thing and Robbie's like so there's a cult <laughs> it's like yep there ended up being a cult yep I think I might have saw the trailer at that point I'm not sure okay so I'm not, I don't know if that was me being you know big brain Robert Anderson over here, or, <laughs> or, or I like watched the trailer for the episode sure yeah. but um you know it makes it, it it makes sense and again like you know we always forget that this is like X-Men show I uh-huh. always forget even watching the whole thing even though they're dropping some serious actual X-Men names here i still forget that it's like kind of based around this comic book entity oh yeah for sure um but yeah i, I 
I, it totally makes sense giving the events of season two where they ended up in season three with making David kind of, you know, this Charles Manson character to a certain extent, or like Jim Jones, or, you know, he, he's, he's playing this character that you sympathize with maybe, but he has gone totally off the deep end and, and through his insanity and his powers, he's able to kind of recruit others um, just by his pure ability to manipulate reality. Right, right. And some kind of weird fake promise for a happier future, but he never actually, like, hones in on what that happier future is. Well, I think because he doesn't necessarily know it, he finds the key. The switch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But yeah, uh, this season two, I also watched some behind the scenes of talking to the special effects people. Cool. And it was so neat to find out that they really tried to stick to practical effects as much as they could. I was going to say, it seemed like there's a lot more uh, on-screen trickery than post-production computer stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, and amazing that they could do this type of show. I think in season three, we might not have cost that much money. Yeah? There's not a ton of... Like, they don't go to a ton of places that could be off the soundstage. And there's also, like... You know, there's a lot of episodes where you even have, like, Dan Stevens there, which is probably your biggest budget actor. Yeah. You know, they're, like, not to, I mean, if you're listening to this, I hope you see something, but we're still trying to stay with the spoilers until the later half, but, like, you know, they, there's a lot of, like, navigation, production-wise, that's happening in this season that I think made them, like, save a lot of money. I can see that. Yeah, because, like, you know, even, even, like, again, like, you know, uh, another big actor would be uh, Jermaine Clements and, like, in one episode, and like you know, that could be a narrative choice. That could be a budgeted choice. I don't know. You know, like there's. I don't think that the the show didn't have a ton of money. It didn't have like any money, but I think that there's some some really smart navigations that were on the cheap that they did throughout production. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, obviously, this show has somewhat jump-started or propelled even further a lot of these actors. Yeah. who were already fairly big names before getting this show, but once they were on this show, it seemed like it opened up a lot of avenues for these actors to be in other things. It's kind of like the FX promise. Because, like, Atlanta... Have you watched Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Atlanta's bit, not still, a bit. But you've seen at least, like, a first season. Yeah. So, like, you know, like, Keith Stanfield and... Uh, oh, yeah. I forget the name of the other guy who's in, like, their crew. He's mm-hmm. in He's in everything. Uh, Brandon... I'm gonna look it up real quick. Okay. Because I don't want to fuck it up. But, uh... <laughs> It's too early on, Robbie. He play he plays the dad in Into the Spider Verse. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, you looked that up. Yeah, he's in uh, <laughs> he's in Widows. Brian Tyree Henry. Yes. Yes. He's he's like everything right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of these people in, in FX shows definitely go on to do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I I think that all of the choices were chosen specifically for the narrative, which I think is great. But it yes. also does uh, present a season where a lot of these characters aren't seen together. And that, yeah. like, there's a scene that uh, female Carrie says to Katonomy. She's like, remember when we used to have fun? <laughs> and that's very much like a callback yeah. to Summerland and the seasons where all of these actors routinely get to spend time together. And yeah. luckily you see that growth throughout the first two seasons of how much all of these actors respect each other and trust each other. Mm-hmm. So that in season three, when they are split up the majority of the time, their bonds are still as strong yeah, as you, ever. You buy it. It's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it makes me think that like, you know, the the production not was like bad, but they had to. Maybe I think a lot of these things. people were busy, you know, yeah. and they had to kind of like figure out how to do it, you know, between like having a lot of scenes on that airship and. You know, again, like I, I don't think they, I don't think they had Dan Stevens for as many days as they <laughs> wanted. Um, but uh, that's that's he has that's some other stuff going on. He has some other stuff. I mean, even though even though Holly, I don't think he's like there on set every time because he's you know he's making music with science stuff too. Like, he's doing a lot mm-hmm. of shit. He might be making that Doctor Doom movie for all we know. Mm-hmm. That's a rumor I want to be true. But uh, <laughs> again, like I, I have no idea. That could all be hearsay. They could have done it all for the sake of. Of narrative, and that that was their their choice and, and drive to do. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of all that, I think I think it was a great season. Oh, absolutely! And I was into the action all the time. Yeah, yeah, all of the new different sets because we're always given these new different locations every season. Yeah. I know there's only been three seasons, but yeah, this time the there's like a hu- there's like a hub. Super heavy. Yeah. Right, because there's there's Summerland, and then the Division Three, Division three and then the the airship, but then also like. David's commune, which mm-hmm. may not exist in a quote-unquote place. Physical space. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just incredible. And that first episode, when Switch finds the cult, just fascinating. You're like, what am I watching? What's happening? <laughs> it's interesting. Well, it kind of it kind of makes sense to introduce us to, you know, David, where he is now, through another character. Yes. Because he's, he's changed so much that, like, I don't think I don't think it's as interesting seeing his journey in in between season two and three of how he became this like cult leader. It's more interesting to see someone who wants to join this cult. Explore it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's a way better avenue. And her kind of you know she's you know David's been the chosen one for all these other seasons. Since he's like he's like the he's like the neo. He's he's the one. And then Switch is. The chosen one because he's kind of like the fallen angel in a sense. You know, he, he needs mm-hmm. someone else to, to do his bidding because he he doesn't have that one power. He's omnipotent. He can literally change anything in reality. He cannot change the past. Right. It's he can't cool. influence time. Yeah. Yeah. The, he, the, he is a linear god. He is very yeah. That's <laughs> a good. That's a very good way of saying it. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the way that they choose to dissect the concept of time through switch. I think it's, very interesting. Yeah, really, my last comment, just for new interesting sets, is I thought it was a very smart choice to make the time hallway. Kind yeah. of similar to the loopiness of the hallways in Division 3. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. Set design-wise, aesthetically, for sure. Yeah, and I think it's very neat, again, to show a space that doesn't really make sense for the 70s. Just yeah. like Division 3 now makes even less sense to me than what it did during that season, now that we know where we are. Right. in time but it makes it that much cooler like mm-hmm. I, it doesn't have to make sense i'm cool with it not making sense it's i think that's crazy i think that's that like that what legion like in that space it, that's what legion like breaks for you where you're just kind of like i don't need it to make sense i don't need <laughs> it like that, that season two is all about like if you're trying to watch a show that makes sense you should fucking leave <laughs> like, yeah if you're trying to make it fit into a certain puzzle that you can understand not goodbye. gonna not gonna work yeah right. you have to be into what we're selling you on you have to be in the idea that like the, the concept of reality is a little aloof to begin with and the, the paradigms of how you register reality is inherently broken and once you accept that now we can really get to the fun shit and that's that's kind of like the promise of legion mm-hmm. cool. yeah for the entire thing yeah Absolutely. That's good stuff. 
book. Uh, do you want to talk anything else about set design? Uh, we we really only have a few new cast members which we'll get into. Yeah. Costuming um, was great. I think music the, was great. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I, my main thing is gonna be the needle drops. Oh yeah. You know, I I think, and when a character chooses to sing the needle drop, I'm not sure if that's what counts as a needle drop or not. Um, because there's yeah. a lot of moments where a song is happening and all of a sudden the character is just. This or show, this show is a musical now, yeah. So it's like I don't even sure, I don't even think that counts as meta. I think that's just something new. I don't understand yet. Yeah, because it's uh, not diegetic music. It's not non-diegetic music. It's yeah. both. It's a mu- it's a music. I mean, like you know, there, there's elements of Legion being a musical at times in season two. Mm-hmm. I'd argue some of there are some huge moments of Legion season three where I'm like, this this might actually be a musical. We just didn't realize it. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a it's a choice they make again and again yeah. in season three. So, yeah. um, but in terms of the music being a part of the narrative, and you know, sometimes have sometimes Pink Floyd says more than ten pages of dialogue ever could. Oh, absolutely. And I think you know the, the times where they choose to make that trade, it you know, as someone who strives to be a creator and as someone who like strives to like want to make content and like write in the film industry one day, like Noah Hawley is just like someone continually trying to dissect and understand because he is thinking on a different fucking wavelength than I ever have. Like I don't even get it. Yeah, like, he's always incredible. shocked. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think his his use of music is um, very powerful. Yeah, because we like bitch about like Handmaid's Tale a lot because their use of music is like. It's mostly bad. Yeah, it's like you know when like something's on the nose, but someone's like flicking you in the nose like a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. like kind of handmade so where it's like in the show, it's like it's just it's seamless. Yeah, and and so yeah. in your face, you mm-hmm. know. Absolutely. Cool. But yeah, I think that was my final note. I'm just kind of like more grand scheme. Of yeah, the, the production bits of it. Yeah. I haven't done any reading of any reviews of that, most of the season, to be honest, but especially that series finale. And I read yeah. one review, and they, were, they gave it, like, a 7 out of 10, and I was like, what the fuck what is the wrong fuck, with them? What the fuck do you want? Like, that's my thing. Is just do you like, not want creative content? Like, what is it? I mean, like, I think I could see how someone is a little unfulfilled with the ending, but I'm also just kind of like, yo, man, what show are you watching? Right. You know, especially because, like, we'll break into the second half. Like, I really want to talk about how this is still an X-Men show and how I think Noah Hawley is, is, I think, very sick and tired of superhero narratives. I think so, too. I think he's actively rebelling against the paradigms of the superhero. I think he is actively, like, that's why I want him to make a Marvel movie, because it will be unlike fucking anything. It would not end in a boss fight. Exactly. I'll tell you that right now. Exactly. It would be different. Might start with a boss fight and then see what happens. Maybe a from musical. There. Who fucking knows? <laughs> yeah. That's why he needs to make the Doctor Doom movie. No, if you're listening, or Kevin Feige, if you're listening, <laughs> just let him. Just let him do this, please. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Robbie, I know you're kind of like in that chair. You're like, yes, I love that this type of material is out there. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of fell off the superhero obligation. I call it. Sure. There's <laughs> like an obligation at this point to get out and see all of these things that. Kind yeah. of seem like carbon copy movies. It's a it's a it's a contract you have to sign with it. It's a serialized yeah. kind of. Yeah, so I'm totally yeah. ready for yeah Noah Hawley to do maybe some big budget blockbuster films that sure. uh, people have to scratch their heads. I'm I'm okay with this to to show like people like there can be 
a different way to tell a story. I think if and this is it. I think if anyone could reach that like that concept of of kind of breaking the paradigms of what makes a superhero movie or what makes a superhero narrative, it can be Noah Hawley because like you know there are moments where there is the same emotional conflict you have from like a fight, but it's in a non-violent way. Way, you know, and and I th- and you know I think I think he has the the benefit of working in you know things like the astral plane, things things in in the plane of reality where you can bend all the rules. So like you can have conflict without physical violence. You can kind of get away with those things, but you know I I think stylistically there's a lot of different ways he he's kind of broken my brain recently within the past few days of watching this where i'm like there might be he might have like cracks cracked the code on something that oh, we're, yeah. we're gonna see happen more later I that hope. would be great yeah yeah sorry taika Watiti. you're also out there doing great work you're, he's doing god's doing, work you're doing the good fight too <laughs> you're breaking apart superhero narrative and not to discredit you at all taika listen because taika I, and noah are with them. i i yeah because they're like a big assistant um, the thing is, like, you know, I still like a classic beat-em-up. Sure. But, you know, we, we are in an age where we are, we are inundated with that narrative. So right. To, do, you, do you need to get a classic beat-em-up twice a year? Every time. Exactly. Right. So if we could find ways to maybe, you know, like, Spider-Man Far From Home refreshed me on superheroes a little bit, because, like, the first half of that movie is, like, you know, a vacation film about a young boy who wants to kiss a girl. <laughs> yeah. And then we get a Spider-Man movie, and it's like, <laughs> like you know, that that's, like, that's enough. This can coexist. Exactly. So, and I, I do think Marvel in general, not to segue too hard on that, but I do think like there's a lot of times where they balance genres fairly well, but it always like culminates in big showdown. Final formula. Stuff. Yeah, and yeah. that's still and, you know Spider-Man's Far From Home is the same. Whereas sure. like the beginning of it is like refreshing, and I'm into the final conflict of it too. But it is you know you know what's gonna happen the minute you buy the ticket. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I I be into creative ways to, to flip that. Other than having to be the conflict gets pushed to a sequel, you know. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Definitely. Legion Legion exists in interesting time. It's very interesting that it's ending now too. So I'm just like, oh, oh yeah. you guys like just fucking figured it out. Like you guys just like blew my mind on some shit. Yeah, I'm excited we'll for you to watch Fargo because maybe we'll revisit Fargo all the way through because that's yeah. very similar. I would. But I would also. For sure. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine even earlier today. Um, I was having a beer at, at the coffee shop and I was talking to him about Noah Hawley and about like Lucy in the Sky and about mm-hmm. how like that's kind of a biopic and, and the character he's he's choosing to portray is like, you know, he's going to be able to use this skill set of like, you know, you have a character who's like looking at Earth from hundreds of thousands of miles away and what that does to the human psyche. Is very interesting, and, and that's a that's a playground that Noah Hawley gets to fuck around with. Very, very exciting. And from the name of the film, she might be singing. Who knows? I could see it being a musical <laughs> at times. I don't think he cares about genre. That you, guy. <laughs> yeah, you can't call it Lucy in the Sky and then not have her maybe sing in space. You know, who who knows? We'll who find knows? out. It could be a space opera. I can't wait. I'm very <laughs> excited. Anything he does going forward, I'm just like, yeah, you. I just give you my like credit card. <laughs> yeah, he wrote like three works of fiction as well. He's written like three novels. I gotta check like, those out too. Me too. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, <laughs> we're jo- we're joining a well, we're starting a Noah Hawley cult right now. Noah Hawley cult. <laughs> you gotta watch the movies. You gotta read the books. <laughs> it's a book club. 
It's a cult. <laughs> you don't have to have sex with them unless like like you want you like want to and he wants to and, yeah you know, and then he just like imagines he like the sex he imagines the the se- well that's what they it. do in Legion they <laughs> yeah. make they make like the the porn hub in the mind <laughs> the mainframe the, the of main the porn. yeah the ast- the porn hub astral plane <laughs> we all will exist in one day <laughs> can't wait exciting stuff it's four D yeah. four dimensional beings. In the- <laughs> In the astral plane. The the plane. <laughs> We're all losing our innocence and none of us care. It's going to be great. I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I signed up a long time ago for that. It's true. <laughs> all right. Well, listeners, I think we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and really get into the plot, the meat and potatoes of Legion Season 3 and really talk about just all of the mindfuckery. It's going to be great. Yes. So we'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to another episode of It's Fits, where StoryScreen's own film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons, speaks on a film. Today, Fitz will discuss the... Where is it from again? ABC? Yeah. Today, Fitz will discuss the ABC series, Lost. Uh, I've never seen Lost, but plenty of people have had, um, <laughs> plenty of people have, <laughs> yeah, I've seen an episode here and there, I remember when that motherfucker was like in a wheelchair and then he all of a sudden was able to walk, that was a cool episode, that was early on in the seven seasons that they did, or six, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, people say it's good. I'm, I'd rather watch Deadwood. This has been another episode of It's Fits. All right, listeners, welcome back. Welcome back to you, Robbie. Hey. <laughs> We're going to get into actual plot and... Kind of comb through episode by episode, but if we jump around a little bit, we apologize, sure. but I think... I don't even know if I remember it episode by episode at this point. It's kind of all... Converged. Yes. That's what makes it perfect, because I think with... As far as, like, television series go, yeah. sometimes I think they rely too heavily I'm being on... episodic. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas this is not what you're getting. You're getting a story told through the concept of time, week by week. And yeah. <laughs> But it's really, like, very simple yeah. and connected. I love the ways when they do, because all shows do the kind of, like, last week, blah, blah, blah. Like, Legion does, uh, allegedly on Legion, mm-hmm. or, like, presumably on Legion. I just, <laughs> I love that. That's And they only have done that this season. It's just, like, a nice little flair. They did it a little bit in season two did as they? well. Okay. But Maybe definitely the, not every episode, like yeah. they did this time. Because I've watched it on Amazon Prime. I just like fought the season. Oh yeah. And uh, maybe maybe in season two they didn't have that like last time on. Maybe I just like, skipped it. But I I was maybe. more aware of it this time. Oh yeah. Because you know we it should be noted we've only I've only seen all these episodes once. Okay. Whereas like for season one and two I I watched them at least twice yes, before we me recorded. Too. Yeah. So this me one too. I've only seen one one time each episode. Mm-hmm. So some things escape me. 
Yeah, I've seen the intro to season one, like leading up to the the clothing scene. Yeah. Or, se- or season three? Of episode season three, one? Yeah, yeah, episode one. Gotcha. But yeah, everything else before that, because we had taken so long to record back to the podcast, had time. I yeah. could watch it all multiple times. Right. But yeah, this time it was basically just one, one and done. Mm-hmm. But now that it's over, I can go back and start it from the beginning. Yeah. And really like binge it as a whole, which I'm very excited to do. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first season I really watched like week to week. And uh still very still very into it. Still enjoyed it a lot. I, I think I prefer binging shows like this, but uh still still into it. It's yeah. just so good. Yeah. I'm still very into episodic watching. I like watching it as they come out. And then waiting the week. Having that's, the break, kind of. Yeah, that's why yeah. I kind of admire Hulu, because when they put stuff out, it's still on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, that's basis. how Handmaid's Son does it, right? They, right. I like that, too. And then, like, every once in a while, they're like, here's two. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that, too. That's fun. Yeah. As opposed to Netflix, which is just like, here's a whole series. Oh, by the way, here's another whole series. We know you want to watch them both. And I'm like, great. When do I have time to watch all of this stuff? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting, the concept of kind of, like, you know, Netflix is like, here's the whole cake. Mm-hmm. Or other shows like there's a slice of cake. Mm-hmm. Maybe the cake's a little different. Who knows? Sometimes you shouldn't eat a whole cake in one sitting. Maybe. <laughs> but I also do like you know when they drop all Bojack Horseman in like one day. I watch that shit in like a day. Yeah, <laughs> <So> <laughs> for sure. Or even like I think Stranger Things. I binged the shit out of that. Yeah. Yeah, it was right. I also binged the shit out of that, but yeah. like in like one evening, and it was mistake. <laughs> but it was fine. <laughs> it could be exhausting. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's an interesting conversation. I think it does like affect your digestion of what's like actually happening, and you know, it it, it uh, infers your opinion to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, but luckily we're on the same page with this one. We have ingested it the same way. <laughs> the same method. Yes. So yeah. So we're even keel on this guy. For sure. So yeah, uh, that first episode, season three, get the introduction to Switch. Yeah, Switch is like the main character. Yeah. Essentially. Which some people didn't like, but, uh, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter, I guess. (laughs) So you get introduced to this girl, who you're told is, like, in high school. I find that a little unbelievable. But towards the end of the season, (laughs) her, like, even existence is tenuous. Yeah. So. I mean, I think the kind of idea that I'm kind of thinking of even now is that it's, it's her, I think it's because I just saw you know, once upon a time in Hollywood recently, mm-hmm. which is kind of centered around, not centered around, but like an element of the film is the Manson murders, which I don't mm-hmm. think is a spoiler. If you've seen the trailers or heard anything about it, you know that. So you meet some of these characters, a part of like the Manson family. And, you know, if, if we have a character like David, who is this cult leader, who's enticing young women, which is his followers for the most part, mm-hmm. um, enticing young women. And like, you know, she, is a very powerful but impressionable young lady. Yes. So it kind of it, it makes sense that she would kind of be uh, pulled into this world because she she sees David as a god through through means I'm not sure if I remember how exactly she heard of him. Well, she first hears Lenny on the radio okay. by tuning into that station that she saw on the sign. Right. That she kind of hunts down. She's given all of these clues. Yeah, she kind of goes down the rabbit hole figure it out right and yeah i think it's such an interesting way to present a character to show this woman who lives in this large vast apartment Mm -hmm. with a a non-present father 
which is very similar to David's interpretation of himself. He is also yeah. a child who has a very hard time coming to terms with the fact of finding out that he was also growing up with a family that wasn't his. Mm-hmm. And Switch also is like growing up with a family that she doesn't quite understand. Well, there's a... Which there's, is interesting. Yeah, and like, you know, I think when we get to the final episode, it, it makes a little bit more sense, but, you know, she she doesn't exist on the same plane as her father. Mm-hmm. And that is also very similar to David, where, you know, D- David's almost a, a child of the astral plane more than he's a child of our world. Right. You know, and Switch is a child of, of time. She has to... Her, a part of her arc is shedding her corporal form um, so that she can just exist as time, you know, mm-hmm. and then she, she realizes that her father, you know, she can only communicate him, with him through this television set because, like, he doesn't have a, a physical, he doesn't have a pre- he doesn't have a physical form, you know. Which she maybe doesn't know. She's, she's grown up knowing that her father It seems to be kept robotics. from her, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, she just knows that at night, her father plays with toys, essentially, mm-hmm. or robots, or what have you. And that occasionally, poor Switch yeah. sometimes acts as if she's a robot to have like some kind of connection to her father. Yeah, I mean, it, it ties into these some of these overall themes of like uh, adults or men um, being so infatuated with their careers that they kind of forget everything else around them. You know, mm-hmm. with Oliver or you know Charles is portrayed this way until we kind of see his newer iteration this season. Mm-hmm. You know, and then David in season two is the idea of like you know, these men and their journeys, you know, essentially, mm-hmm. and and you know, women or in the case of Switch, also as a woman, but just like as not a love interest, but just like a family member being kind of cast to the side to mm-hmm. these powerful men with these powerful dreams or agendas, essentially. Right. So she, you know, she she thematically is in line with every other character of the show, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like it didn't take a ton a, a ton of getting used to for me to get used to her. I didn't have to get too familiarized with being like, no, you fit in line with everything that's happening already in the region. Oh yeah, definitely. And she seems like she is very grounded in a sense up until she's going on this wild goose chase. She starts yeah. to find all the clues. She finds the room that she needs to enter. Yeah. And then it's this weird, trippy cult members who are trying to get her to join. Mm-hmm. She says the magic phrase to get an entry, and then all of a sudden she's crawling through this massive tube. And yeah. So fun. It's like she's being birthed into the world yeah. of David. I mean, I think that's kind of the concept. It's like he's, he's kind of like this this womb of purgatory in a weird way, or like, you know, not not to play like armchair psychiatric person, but like you know, it, it seems <laughs> like you know because he he lacks parental guidance and he lacks uh, th- these are the things that he seeks mm-hmm. that you know he has created this this embryonic safe space for people who don't want to engage with society mm-hmm. in a in a quote unquote normal capacity and then he feeds off them because he is like love so he feeds off the love for him because he can kind of give to them anything that they want right how intangible it may be right yeah, so we're we're in this house, and one of the cool practical effects that they did was they actually built the teats of this giant psychedelic pig. Yeah, the, mon- in, the, in the monster. House. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> the glad cult. that the the monster from the 
Last Jedi is still getting work. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very, really excited to talk about that. I actually just came up with it now. Oh, nice. <laughs> on the cuff. I just, I just like, you know, his IMDb profile is just a second uh, big role. The monster from Last Jedi. Uh, powerful beast with teats. Just really getting out there, getting work. A lot of good representation for the monster. I think it's really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows where he'll go now. But we'll see. They're making more Star Wars, so maybe he might be a Jedi and fucking knows, right? <laughs> David's kind of a Jedi, I don't know. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Right? He's a mind wizard. Where's he a Sith? Hmm. 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 Or a gray, or some something in between. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good practical effect. I, I almost thought you were going to bring up the the, uh, the tubing that is like the drugs that they oh, in yes. Because I thought that was one of the more striking elements of the... Um, of the space for me was that it, because also like solidified that like they're essentially inside David, right? Like he is, he's created that space. Yeah. And then like like, astral plane. Exactly. Space. And then if he is feeling a certain kind of way, like the the compounds of the drug literally changes that they engage with. Like they're this blue and red. And I thought that was very, very cool. I thought that was a really nice like touch to it. And then even to the point where like they're, they're kind of enforcing that like, idea even more when when like you know, essentially you have like a drug bust kind of happening in that mm-hmm. first episode like there's a strike team trying to bust out this house of like druggy hippies you know that's not like literally what's happening but it kind of is like what it feels like is what's yeah. happening you know yeah it's definitely cool. yeah oh man i didn't think about it like that but totally right uh, yeah it's like i mean they're they're doing a sting mm-hmm. essentially and that's like kind of like what's happening Mm-hmm. That's what that's what was invoked to me and I was watching it. Yeah. Yeah, so this episode has a lot of a lot of switch going on, but then the ending switch. of the episode starts to go back to like normal legion stuff where you see a normal yeah, quote quotes, unquote. <laughs> uh where you do see your division 3 baddies and goodies yeah. and they're coming into the cult zone. And you see two scenes almost in direct succession of Sid shooting and killing David. Right, succeeding in their mission to take David down. Mm-hmm. But at this point already, Switch is kind of committed to helping David because she thinks he is deserving of love. And you start to see her time manipulation go into effect. Yeah, which is another, it's a good vessel of teaching the audience of like how exactly it works. I honestly think the, the, their bending of time is one of the more grounded aspects of the show. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I think I think time in the show like makes more sense than like the astral plane. Yes. Because the astral plane is just like, hey, maybe you can just relive your childhood and have two childhoods and fucking remember it. I don't know. We'll get to that episode in a little bit. <laughs> but I don't fucking know how that works. Yeah, they show you what the astral plane is, and I'm like, all right, I still don't fully get this. I thought I, cool. I thought I did until uh, was episode six. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I guess I don't get it. <laughs> I still really like it. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't fully understand because the, the astral plane, I guess, also takes many different forms. Yes. Because when they fight Farouk or things like that, that is also in the astral plane. But I think, as we can understand, the astral plane does not have confines or is the shape like a world would be. Right. It's, it's kind of endless. Right. Because we're given uh, essentially the astral plane in three different manipulations. We see what Farouk can do in that space. Mm-hmm. We see what David can do in that space. Especially now in this season too. Exactly. More control. He he has kind of like a uh, a set that is that is David's mind, the room of many doors to house as many prisoners. 
Yes. Yes. And then we can kind of see also what uh, Charles Oliver. Can oh do yeah, Oliver in that as space. well. And yeah. Charles eventually. Yeah, I think Charles Once has he's more given of the like tools. A, yeah, because it's not until he really engages with Farouk that he can kind of understand understand what his powers are in a way. Which is very cool to take the mutant from the X Men films and franchise, the one who understands everything the most, and show yeah. him in such an infantile understanding of who he is. Yeah, I know we're not quite there yet, but I think you know, we're close to talking about his episode, which is kind of like the thing Legion has kind of always been building towards, or at least hinting at, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I don't think they executed very well, but to, to not jump too far ahead, because I think we still have like the second episode as well. Yeah, yeah, so we talked a lot about that first episode, and it branches like directly into episode two, which is all about how can David essentially amplify Switch's powers Mm -hmm. and how does he do that? Because he realizes very quickly after meeting Switch, who is the person that he's been searching for, that he he can't go in. Right. And that's his whole thing. He has to go in and travel back in time. And if only Switch can do that, then the, the plan just doesn't work. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, maybe at this point in the conversation between you and I, mm-hmm. to maybe try and decipher, like, at this point in the season, like, what do we think David's reasoning? Oh. Yeah, because, like, is it to change things with Sid? Is it to change things with Farouk? I, I almost think that he's not super sure himself. Mm-hmm. I think he just, he's seeking a reset button, right? Like that, that's like, he's like, whatever can change some of these things, sick. If I can change all of these things, sick. And he's so removed from, like, humanity. He's like a sociopath because he has this god complex. And he's kind of like, yeah, but if I erase, like, you know, 30 years of the president, like, it doesn't really affect anyone else. It's fine. It's going to be better because I won't end the world. Because he kind of also knows his destiny to serve himself. Mm-hmm. He he's knows, told it, and he doesn't want to believe it. Yeah. But he also understands that he will be the catalyst for their thing. He just doesn't know how. Yeah. So he thinks if he can change the events leading up to being told that, then it just won't happen. Right. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. I definitely think uh, his goal to me, it's hard to say to go back and kind of remember not know, remembering. Yeah, where it ends up. But yeah, ultimately... He was just so distraught at being given up. Yeah. And the reason he was given up was because of Farouk. Mm-hmm. So I think initially his goal at the beginning of season three was to try to stop that infestation from happening. Yeah. But he doesn't quite know how. Exactly. Right. So. Because he doesn't blame the actions with Sid. This is me massaging at the end yet. He's not blaming his actions against Sid on himself. He's still blaming it on Always been in <laughs> Yes. That's why <laughs> Is that for is that the actor of Miss Rook in the room with us right now? I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> Naveed has just joined he us. He is just hello, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. See <laughs> <Say> Naveed. <laughs> <Well. laughs> oh man. I would love to get him in a room and just talk to him. Well, I just wanna hug him. Yeah. He's I also the best in the show, I think. Yeah. It, pretty phenomenal what he does with this character i mean it's a fucking weird role to play <laughs> like mm-hmm. in so many cool. different iterations of himself wears very many, cool. many masks mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah so episode two which definitely holds like a lot of weight as well mm-hmm. uh you see 
David trying to find essentially how he can manipulate Switch and her right. powers. And so, of course, Carrie comes into play because he's clearly like the smartest man in the world. <laughs> like, he yeah. just like knows how to basically manipulate. I mean, that's like his mutant power, kind of. Kind of. Know? Or at least like one facet of his mutant power. He's like, well, on the brains. Yeah, which is fascinating. Yeah. Because the technology that exists because of Carrie as technology that is years and years and years before the time of the show. Like, that that technology is not going to be around forever. I almost don't think it exists. It's crazy. Because he... He has invented machines that can quantify the astroplane. Mm-hmm. That is not technology that even we, in the box of reality, has been... Like, we haven't found a way to, like, make, like... We can't make a dream appear on a screen. Right. You know, there's a, there's a few other artistic methods to maybe do something like that. But that's not a literal <laughs> transfer that we can do. But I feel like that's something that he could do. So I, I think that's also interesting that Carrie's scientific knowledge, and I also think the technology of this world, this timeline, has catered to the idea of examining the mind. It's almost like as if like the movement of our understanding of psychology started like 30 years a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely treating the mind as, like, a, a separate thing. Yeah. It's almost like conquering the mind is more important than conquering space mm-hmm. in the concept of this show. Right, right. Which, like, kind of kind of buy that, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think uh, here in the actual world in which we live... Reality. Reality. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not even. Right. Yeah, I think it's kind of a travesty of uh, some of the stuff that we decide to spend our tax science dollars not that we get to vote where that money goes but sometimes i feel like yeah. their their concepts and the things that they are trying to explore aren't nearly as interesting or important as something that they could study yeah i mean one of the things that i always think about is like the, the simple concept of like mind of the matter and like this conversation has kind of been i don't know if it's propping up a lot because like, i'm watching legion or just like i'm talking to like a lot of friends over a beer and this concept comes up of just the idea of you can make yourself sick if you think you're sick enough. You know? Like the idea of like your negative emotions impacting your physical being because like, you're just trapped in it. You know, like, depression could lead to physical ailments, and that's just your brain kind of making that happen. You know? it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting stuff like that. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, we can kind of tap into that potential. Maybe use it. Use it for, for some good. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which they do a lot in season two of Legion, talking right. about all these different scientific studies that are actually grounded in mm-hmm. reality. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's it's interesting what the what the mind can do, and how it's something that we like don't fully understand. We all have one. Mm-hmm. We all have one. We all have one in our in our domes. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us are lucky enough to be able to use it, but yeah. Yeah, lucky enough. Lucky enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so we have a lot of, and I like that you brought it up early on, David not coming to terms with the fact that he He's has made mistakes. And so he does somehow get to bring Sid to him. They don't really share a physical space, but they do have a conversation. Yeah, because he also knows that she will fuck with him. Right. Yeah, which so, is an interesting play. Mm-hmm. And he knows now that she's done it twice. And he he wants to try to make peace with her and say, you know, I'm going to fix this. Yeah. Because, well, you'll, you'll always have done that. 
even if I can't remember, you are still that person. Right. Um, and then, you know, it kind of ties into even like the, the, the ultimate ending of the episode where he's like, I'm not saving you, saving this person, mm-hmm. which also ties into season two where, you know, future Sid is in love with past David because she's like, you're not a yeah, piece of shit. You're not a piece of shit yet. I still like have so many feelings for you. So, you know, it's 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 interesting that kind of, like, the way the show treats characters in different time eras as different characters. Mm-hmm. And you see with Farouk, I think Farouk is kind of the more easier example to look at. You have, like, current Farouk and older Farouk maybe working together, at least, like, in, in the penultimate episode, you're like, we're about to go down, and then you, then you <laughs> kind of figure out there's more at play. And then, like, you know, you don't ever really meet modern Xavier, but, you know, you kind of meet a few different iterations of past Xavier, at least see how he comes who he is. And, you know, I, I really like that, because I, I do think that, like, there are, are things that we do as people that can so fundamentally change us that we are different. And maybe if you were to talk to us even a few hours ago, or even a few months ago, you could be fundamentally Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to, to to narratively treat the same character as so different just to talk to in different like time eras. Oh yeah, because there's I mean very commonly I think as humans we're always approached with the idea of being the best you you can be. Yeah. And yeah, there are choices that I've made in my past certainly that man, if I couldn't go back and change that. Not that I killed anyone or did anything something drastic, but sure. a, a change that I made, like a lie that I told. Uh, yeah. A thing that I didn't go to when I told a friend I would go, and then I wimped out and didn't attend, whatever. Yeah. Just even smaller things like that. I definitely... Like what would have happened to me yeah. if I would be a different person? I mean, I think, like, that, that's the thing I think the show is is struggling with narratively is the idea of, like, can David be forgiven by the audience and especially given what he did being so literal and being in the kind of climate that it's in now it's kind of like you know like yeah i haven't done anything too fucking shit in my life but there's definitely mistakes i would like to erase but like i don't think i'd be so fundamentally changed that i'd be not deserving love did something like david did but like you know like what he did at the end of season two is inexcusable, and he is the villain of season three now. He's got full villain, and like, you know, by the end of season three, like, it's he doesn't really get forgiven. He just finds a way to kill himself, essentially. You know, mm-hmm. he he seeks a way to kill himself, but to also kill the past and kind of take everything down with him, better or worse. Yeah, I think Sid is a much bigger person than I am because to see the fire go out of her eyes the way it does yeah. in the last few episodes is it's still very heartfelt yeah. to me. But I, I was kind of let down by her, but also not let down, just super impressed because she essentially does forget, but she doesn't forget. And that's, yeah. that's the hardest thing I think we as humans have to deal with is forgiveness because people say well you can forgive but just don't forget but that's such a hard concept yeah because i feel like the remembering in itself is the lack of forgiveness i mean i think like a lot of this goes down i think david could have ended the world because he never would have forgiven himself Mm -hmm. and you know not to put someone who did something so shitty on a pedestal 
but it, you know, it, it raises a lot of interesting questions that I don't have the answers to in this kind of like cancel culture society that we live in. Whereas if you have a character like that who did something really shitty and he got exposed, you had a group of people try and cancel him. Or death. help him. Or help him. I mean, like, you know, at the end of season two, it's up for debate, you know? Being um, in the bubble, they could just fucking, like, atomize him into, into dust if they really wanted to, but they're giving him a trial, at least, you know? There's, they were trying to help him, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh... And he just said he didn't want to be on that again. Right. Like, I don't, I don't want I don't to do want that. that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh... It's interesting. I, you know, the, the show finds an interesting way to kind of straddle some of those even very current political hot topics now mm-hmm. without was all, while also being like a psychedelic menagerie of insanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, that second episode ends with Carrie being successfully trapped because David makes him forget. Uh, what he is, which is not too out of line than what he did in season two. Like right. he is, he's but, doing something where he's manipulating someone's brain. Yeah, which is only a thing that he can do. But that scene where Carrie is like sitting at the dresser with the mirror, and he's in the room, and he's kind of also the female Carrie, but he's also himself. Yeah. And then David, he starts dancing with Carrie, and then all of a sudden he's dancing with David, and David says, "Let me lead." And that right. scene was awesome. It's so good. Awesome. Just the the whole way, and then we don't have the carry escape until episode four, right? Mm-hmm. Which like I want to talk about. It. It's just like the way it's filmed is like terrific. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, and so plays into that like kind of comedic sensibility that only Legion has. Uh huh. <laughs> and and somewhat that only the male carry can really give. Like, he really yeah. is just such a good actor, and he's such a good comedic actor. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of like the grounded comedy of the season. Yeah. Because I mean, in this season in particular, Oliver, yeah. And that kind of transferred to Carrie, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, he's just, he's, he's so capable, but also just trying to, like, he also is, like, kind of serves, like, science first, I think, to a lot of extents. Like, I think there's a lot of times where he, like, helps David do something, and even in the previous seasons where he helps David do something where he's like, this is a bad idea, <laughs> but, like, it's fascinating to try it. Like, because he essentially gives, like, David, like, the, the cerebro capabilities by putting him in, like, the think tank, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, he's kind of like, I shouldn't fucking do this, but, like... I love science so pretty much. fucking cool if I did, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> if I pulled it off, it's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh... A room that we haven't talked about is mm-hmm. the Breakfast Queen Lenny's like weird time room. I haven't really talked talked about her at all. Yeah. And she she successfully traps Carrie by like luring him to this forest, right? Because that's kind of like when they trap Carrie. I'm trying to remember because that's that's the because um, Division Three comes because they're hunting down Lenny, right? And they find her in this weird forest with some of the cult members. And then we have the um, Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Scene, yes. Which is great. Which is awesome mm-hmm. because the Division Three people successfully capture. He's so funny. Which one? The one who wears the wig. Oh, the, the guy dude, when they glasses. when they drop when they drop him from like an airship. Uh-huh. I forget his name too, but he is he's a fun like side character we get so briefly, but he's a good he's a good guy. Yeah, because season two is where it really starts. Er, Sorry, episode two is where it mm-hmm. starts to get trippy. So they've captured, oh God, 
at the end of <laughs> with that funny long cane and where he like drops the coffee mug and it spins in every mm. scene you get that comedic spinning like a cartoon yeah and forget about the comedy elements of the show oh it's yeah because they, they get funny. a little drop that time but also like also not like there's yeah. some funny elements throughout i guess like the last few episodes aren't like super no <laughs> no, but yeah, so they they capture that guy that Robbie is so dutifully picking up the name, and uh, then they have him, and then they use him as bait essentially to mm-hmm. get to Lenny. This is character Squirrel. Squirrel, yeah, yeah, this guy. yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's fun. Um, and yeah, episode two also opens up with Clark interviewing him in that special room yeah. in the Airbus, and he starts saying that jump, jump. <laughs> Clark is, a, is another character so who cool. has such a tragic a storyline in this. Yeah, I mean, all throughout, man, like he gets figured by the end of season one. We learn that he has a partner that David then erases that partner's fucking memory of him, mm-hmm. and then he dies. And then he gets thrown out. He gets into thrown space. out into space and gets murdered to death. Yeah, murdered to death. Murdered to death. Uh, murdered to death. He's space frozen. He's space death. frozen to death during a <laughs> sing along. But that that's kinda like what we're alluding to in the in the first half of the episode is like him and Lenny's death, like I was like, there's no way that they're not in the rest of the season, right? And it's like That was it. No, nah, that's it, man. That's all you that's got. It. I was shocked. Not not so much that they were dead in that moment, just that, that we weren't gonna see them again. Right. Which makes again like makes me think about the production like the behind the scenes elements of scheduling and things like that. Yeah, I don't you know? know. It felt very genuine though. It did so. feel it did feel very genuine. It felt I mean as as weird as Noah Holly can tell a narrative it did feel genuine in that sense. Sure. So yeah, one of the theories that we kind of had that we kind of spat out and you came up with it, but I was like, ooh, I, I kinda like where that was sure. going was that you thought that maybe a part of Amy was still inside Lenny? Like, oh, from like season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Her. But no, season three was very much like Lenny Lenny. It, it didn't really. Lenny's like in the pi- in the pilot seat. I mean, I think Amy at all. I mean, I think the only traces of Amy that could have been in there was the fact that Lenny decided to stick by David. Yeah. Right. That that's like the main like it, it's it's less so much that Amy's there, but that Amy like at least has the moral compass to be with David, if that's at all what she's doing. And maybe she got maybe like any traces of Amy at all got like drugged out. Because Lenny clearly was very comfortable being in this drug den up until a certain point. erased by the trauma of, like, losing a child, you know? Yeah, well, that's at the, the end game, for yeah. sure. But, I mean, even at the beginning of season three. Lenny's she's a like, totally, she's on some other shit. She's, yeah. she's a different elevated version of Lenny. Yeah. She's not really Amy as Lenny anymore. Some of that, like, dual psyche elements, you know, it, it, I'm not trying to backseat direct. I'm glad that we got what we got out of the show. But, mm-hmm. like... You know, I, I would have liked to maybe see Lenny's character explored a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Because I feel too. like she was kind of thrown, like, a quick end arc or, like, end event that concluded an arc very quickly. That I, again, like, I do think it's genuine. I do think it, 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 it uh, you give her something that she never thought she could have, that she never thought that she could, you know, you give her this, this, this tantalizing idea of motherhood and you, you strip it away from her so quickly. Mm-hmm. Or not so quickly in that regard, right? right. You make her kind of live it out and see the, the trauma of it, and then she just kind of gives up after that. So, right, you know, I, I do think it's it's fitting to her character. I also think that she's a character who's so fucking complex 
that it's hard to even know what the correct way to wrap that person up is. Right, yeah. yeah. We have a character who, she died in season one. Mm-hmm. She becomes a mask for a Shadow King mm-hmm. that then becomes the the mask of this main character's sister. And then we just kind of you know, utilize her to the end. So I don't, I don't really know. There is no other character, I can guarantee, this is a promise, there is no <laughs> other character like her in any medium. I do not know the right way to wrap up that one. Very complex, multi-layered persona. Right. Yeah, I like how Lenny and Sid are two different barometers of who David can be and what David does. Oh, I like because that, yeah. Lenny's like very much in his camp. And mm-hmm. so, because if anything, what you have is Lenny kind of like championing David, saying like, he still can be good. He's trying to be good in the world. He does good for me. I stand by him. Yeah, he's doing good for all these, look at all these look people at all these he's people. helping. Yeah. And uh, then to see her finally have the realization that like, you're a narcissist. And I thought I was a narcissist. Right. When she tells David, you know, you're not here to help me. You've never been here to help me. Right. And to see her take that sudden turn, that was like the click. And it's interesting because that's when Sid starts to shift in the opposite direction, where she starts to not have just revenge in her heart for David, where she actually does want to help him. So that was like a good switch of female characters in David's life, choosing to flip-flop, essentially, into such like tragic, terrible ends for, for Lenny. It's intense. I mean, you know for kind of taking her her own life at the end. That's another reason why I wasn't sure how real it was, because she took her own life in the David realm. Sure. You know? Sure. But she also, like, in that sense, like, what, what was the, the weapon that she used to stab herself in the back? What did she pull from? I think it's just a knife. Like, But it's like a like, smaller kitchen knife. Yeah. I so I guess you can it's still imply the idea. Because my thesis going into that sentence is the idea of, like, you know, she's using a piece of David to kill herself with, right? Oh, yeah. Because, like, if we're in this, you know, mind palace that mm-hmm. is this kind of, like, uh, David cognition, um, mm-hmm. she's pulling a piece of that and then dying on, on the, the, the giving tree that yeah. exists in that world, too, you know? So I think that she, you know, she, she, she kills herself using a piece of David to a certain extent, mm-hmm. which is, is very fitting. Well, also, too, I think something that makes it a lot more real is after the the Time Eaters, which we'll get into more at length, make her live out her child's life and Mm -hmm. rips that from her. David says, like, let me help you. Let me make it better. And she's like, I don't want the drugs. I want to feel this pain. So I think, if anything, maybe Lenny decided not to take the drugs and essentially sober up. She had so much withdrawal almost from it. Well, sure. But also, I think... Her not being on the David drug grounded mm-hmm. her in a reality instead of being in this like weird trippy headspace of like yeah. kind of being manipulated by David. She's chosen not to be manipulated by David anymore, mm-hmm. and I think she's sober enough that she can kill herself in our plane rather than in like David's like weird astral plane. Yeah, created. no, it is very, that is very interesting. And then you know it kind of communicates even the more layers to David's, like, sociopathic nature, where he kind of just lets you... Because he keeps thinking, like, I can just change it. Yeah, it's, yeah. that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like, it's fine. You all can fucking die. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna say... I'm, you're, no one's gonna be dead in the reality that I create. Right. As God. Right. You know, and it's... It's very interesting. 
mm-hmm. you know, that, that he, we give him this concept of the reset button in episode one. So, like, all the garbage stuff he does, which I think the show is trying to communicate to us that, like, no, he's doing bad things. He just thinks it's just like, oh, just fucking change it. Yeah. It's fine. His malaise towards all the bad things is just like, I'll just make it different. It's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming f- back to save you. I'm, gonna I'm fix not it. killing you. I'm, I'm going to fix it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You'll die now, but I'm going to fix it. It's fine. Yeah. It's very... It, it, again, it's, it's not a thing that I've, I've seen before on the, on the screen. Mm-mm. Agreed. So yeah, let's get into that. There, Because there are a couple of, like, bottle episodes that really stand out in this season. And the first yeah. being the backstory of Charles and Gabrielle. Big X. And their meeting. Yeah. And how incredibly beautiful and poetic it is that it mirrors David and Sid's meeting. Right. Love in a mental hospital. Yeah. 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 But to see Charles's powers first manifest when he's at war, and yeah. then him realize what he can do, another terrifying. And another way that they, um, you know, they, they play with time. Because, like, you know, I'm not convinced that that's just supposed to be, like, this is just World War II. Even though we have a character speaking in German that he murders. Even though he's wearing World War II attire. I am not convinced that that is just what that is. <laughs> and Gabrielle is a survivor of the Holocaust? I just... Okay, yeah, sure. But, like, I, I just think that, like, legions still so separately exist in a time that's not ours. Mm-hmm. Especially because, given what's said at the end of the yeah. season, like, I think it's more of the proto-timeline to our timeline, more so than it is the timeline that we exist in. Sure, sure. You kind of know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and which we can talk more about that later, because I have more things that kind of tie into that. Regardless of it actually being World War II or not, because that's, that's my own shit. That's it is, super relevant. It is possibly a World War II that takes place at a certain time. Yes. Yes. And yeah, the idea of, of Charles Xavier winning a battle by just telling a character to kill themselves, no matter how bad that person is, is the implications of it are scary. And it scares him, right? Yeah, I think it that's does. probably why he it's okay with being committed. Yeah, agreed. You know? Yeah, he doesn't know how that happened or why that happened. Yeah, even if he had some okay experience with the powers, he's just like, I didn't kill that person. I made them, or like, I did kill that person, but I made them do it. Like, that's a manipulation that, you know, I'm not sure what sin that is, but, you mm-hmm. know, it's, um, <laughs> it's <laughs> not good. It's not good. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Um, yeah, thou shalt not kill or the, uh, manipulate others to kill themselves. Yeah, yeah the eleventh <laughs> sin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I got you. But yeah, uh, even just that scene in the hospital where they use the same music, mm-hmm. where David sees Sid, uh, the Rolling Stones, just like the use of music, the use of imagery, all of it. The, the then, fact that we have a character who's, you know, the, Sid is very introverted because she's afraid to like touch right yeah, that causes her to not get close to anybody emotionally physically whereas right. um uh what's the name of david's mother again gabrielle gabrielle is like so introverted that she, she's a mobile yeah you know like there there's some definitely mirroring that happens it takes charles to be able to kind of like unlock her mm-hmm. to a certain extent or i think she refers to it as waking up right that's mm-hmm. our, that's like her like verbiage that she uses yeah. and even then i wasn't convinced at the end of the episode whether like she got awakened in reality or if she, he created this house in the astral plane agreed i thought I also which i also confused. thought that was more 
by the end of the season, we kind of learned that it, she got woken up in reality. Yeah. And they have a house she, reality. She had to Because I thought that David was conceived in the astral pl- I thought so, too. That's what I fucking thought, right? And I that, thought so, And too. that's why he's so powerful, is because he's literally a child of not our existence. Right. That's what I thought the whole time. Yeah, I thought that that's why he got, essentially, like, the schizophrenia that his mother has, while right. also inheriting the mental like, capability you know, of like, Charles. Like, he, she got pregnant, and, like, maybe her and Charles, like, like really banged. They right. banged in, like, you know, the, the porn hub in, in the astral plane. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Right. So, like... I was also... We were on the same page there. Yeah. But I also don't think that's what they... What they're giving you. No, yeah. right? Because that, that's kind of, like... Because by the end of the season, it seems like, no, this is reality. Like, he, she got... He, he essentially, like, uh, helped her through PTSD and, and unlocked or took away something that quote-unquote fixed that issue. Yeah. Or at least made her lo- mobile again. Well, again, kind of like what David does, he said, he, he took away part of her that was quote-unquote broken. Sure. Which is very problematic for yeah. any character, male or female. To come across and yeah. meet a partner and say, "Well, I'm going to fix you." Yeah, don't worry, I'll the repair the thing. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I was also confused, and he, my husband, you know, he said, "Oh, does this whole thing take place in the mental hospital? <laughs> like, are we still there? Were they actually allowed to leave?" The, the way that it's presented is a little ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah, but I think by the end of the season. You have to, like, to believe that they actually did get out of the mental hospital. And, and they've got a house in Westchester, presumably, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and that's where they live. And birds are real. real a real sound. Where do they get such... Because there's so many things that are like red herrings where they're like, how did we get such a big house? I'm pretty sure that's like a line. And I'm like, I'm learning that too. Because you guys lived in the mental hospital for like, I don't, I don't fucking know how long. Like, <laughs> right. I know you weren't making any money there. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. Is the GI Bill in this timeline, like, super good? Like, I don't know how, I don't know how this works. Yeah. I mean, it isn't, it's not, I'm not held up too much on it, but it was, no. it would have made more sense if it was just all the astral. Right. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It, it is a little confusing. And Yeah. yeah. I, I guess know. I guess it still could be, but I just don't think that that's the case. Yeah, I think they kind yeah. of eradicate those bad ideas right by the end for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, they they have to for us to like understand the, the yeah. construct of the show. Because well, I also don't think that the time monsters would there's there's so many things would would like you said eradicate that that notion. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess at the end of that particular episode, we're we're led to believe that Charles got into the minds of all of the people who work at the hospital in mm-hmm. order to let the two of them go. Sure. To let them leave their Live their lives, yeah. Correct. Correct. And then he invented Cerebro, mm-hmm. which is how he got in contact with Farouk. Mm-hmm. Again, like, you know, it, to, to just, like, pull back and talk about... Charles Xavier as a character has been hinted at for two seasons now. And, you know, anything about the comics that Legion is based off of you know that Charles Xavier is supposed to be David's dad. Um, and I don't know why for any second I didn't think they would remix it to the extent that they did. And I was just so happy that they did. That they that they told the Charles Xavier story in a Legion fashion. Like, it cannot be understated how impressive it is. But that is a version of the character you have never seen before. 
It is incredible. It is so cool that they, like, you know, we didn't need the wheelchair, we didn't need all these things, but he's so Charles Xavier the whole time. He's so right. fundamentally Charles Xavier the whole time. And, again, that could, you know, if you really want to break it down into, like, you know, this timeline's not the normal X-Men timeline, who knows, whatever, but, like, it's just very cool. It's very cool the way that they decided to handle that character and to bring it into Legion while also kind of, I think, paying a lot of respects to Charles Xavier as, you know, a character that we've seen pro- be prolific in media for so many years now mm-hmm. it's, it's very cool it's nice too that that character is so well known and so well beloved mm-hmm. that really what you need to know is he's unbelievably caring yeah unbelievably intelligent and always ready and able and willing to become a better version of himself he really is like the anti-david like he's and just in, in the context of legion for sure. Very much so. I think you see him in, like, X-Men lore, or at least, like, in some of the movies, that he's, like, so controlling that he tries to do good and use his downfall. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, like, maybe what led to him giving it up. Where he's just like, right. I can't handle this shit. I'm gonna give him up. Um, because, like, maybe him, he has such, like, guilt over killing Groot that he's just like, I'm not capable of being father. Right. You well, know, who know, Who knows? Right. Yeah, I think also he just realized that if there's another being as powerful as Farouk, I can't let that person know that I have a weakness, and that weakness is my son. Fair, yeah, so for sure. send him away. S- send him away. There could be a, a, any of those reasons, right? Right. Um, and that's like classic Charles of him, you know, maybe doing something that's wrong, even though he, he doesn't know it. He doesn't know, yeah, because he's like, I'm so omnipotent that this might be the way. Mm-hmm. Even omnipotence has blind spots, apparently. Absolutely. And yeah, something that I found also a little confusing is that they refer to Gabrielle as Gabrielle Holler, which I'm like, wait, yeah. why, why is uh, David still named Holler? I thought Holler was the name of his adoptive family. Right. That, that was like, if I have one gripe about Legion. That's it. That's it. That's weird, because like, that's his sister's last name. Wouldn't you think? I think it's Amy Holler, or was her maiden name? Why would thought, they? I thought so. Why would they allow David to keep the last name Holler if it's like a direct tie-in to Gabrielle? Well, then all because which he wouldn't, which he would have looked for. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. That was like the only. That's thing. weird. I actually have not thought about that. That's a weird. Like, I'm not gonna say plot hole because maybe we don't know. Right. I'm pretty sure they call her Amy Holler, though. Right. I'm not right? sure. Like, because I mean, she's married to Ben, lovable Ben. Lovable Ben. I don't know Ben's last name. I'm also not. <laughs> but, and I will say this too, just in case it gets lost in the fray later, because we'll start to get, like, we're picking up momentum already. Yeah. Um, we're only on episode three. I know. And we've been talking for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say, uh, Heath is adopted. Okay. And I felt like, at a point, especially come, like, episode six, or maybe yeah. episode five, but I kind of looked at Heath and I'm like, they're kind of doing a disservice to adopted families. Okay. At this moment. Because David has so much mm. hate, and he feels like he was so unloved and uncared for. But that's a realization that he makes as adult David, once he yeah. starts to find out that he was quote-unquote betrayed by also, being given up. We also don't know what his adopted family situation was like outside of his sister. We know that his sister cares about him. Right. We do not know what foster mom thought. Right. Well, did. he has all these bad memories of them because sure. of Rook. So like it's kind of so hard. Problematic. For yeah. Sure. So like you know I'm not I'm not saying that they I, I'm disagreeing with you sure. and 
you know, that's a very interesting perspective, especially if you kind of know a little bit more about that than me. Because he didn't say it. I said it. You kind of gleamed into that. Yeah. Because yeah. I was just like, well, it's unfortunate that David yeah. feels like he was so abandoned when he clearly had a family that I think was trying to do right by him. It's hard to say because we, like, don't, we, we don't, don't know, know as the that. audience. Yeah. But that leading to that point, that was such a cool reveal to mm-hmm. hear the voice that in season one, when we were hearing, like, David, my beautiful boy. Which we were taught, yeah. We thought that would be adopted mother mm-hmm. saying those words to him, but yeah. really it was Gabrielle. Yeah. We were hearing Gabrielle's voice in season one. And I think... Which, how cool is that? I'm very, right very now. cool. And I think also, ultimately, you know, kind of learning... Because it's really in this season that we learn... A, you know, Farouk might have said it in season two, but I'm, I'm sure we quickly wrote it off as him lying. But also at the end of the episode where he has David on his lap in the astral plane, where he's like, my boy, ah, la boy, my favorite. You know, he's saying all of the Farouk stuff. That he's right here. <laughs> he's saying the lines right now. But, you know, he he really does see David as his son, which is something that I wish they explored 10% harder in this season, especially given what it ends up being. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think it's a very interesting angle because, you know, the real adopted parent is Farouk. Yeah. Yeah. Know? And he is, I don't know, abusive? Is that like the right word? <laughs> is that like the lowest word on Twitter how to describe it? I don't think there's a word in the human existence Yeah, that's what Farouk is. Which again is like another, like. <laughs> but he you does know, love him. He does love him. He loves him so much that he has enough empathy to communicate to another person himself. Yes. That being said... Whether that's self-preservation or not, we'll get to. I just wish they sold me a little bit harder on that. Yeah? Just like a little bit. And maybe we can get to it soon. Yeah. And maybe you can convince me otherwise. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, the end of that uh, episode three, and then we'll jump around and touch on like key points. Um, yeah, because like, we, could, we have already. Yeah. We talked about all the it. characters fucking dying. That's like what episode <laughs> like five is anyway. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, that was where I was like, ooh, I am, I'm kind of into this idea that David caused his own infestation. Like mm. the fact that David tried so hard to go back in the timeline, that it was his mere presence of being there that gave the group the opportunity. Because... Yeah. Charles finally comes home to Gabrielle. Gabrielle's been going slightly insane because of the, the ever-growing presence of Baruch, but also the ever-growing presence of David trying to protect himself and her, mm-hmm. that she is mentally becoming unstable again. Right. And then Charles finally gets home at a time when David has manifested enough power to become a being that can be seen in the room. And it is when Charles expels David that Baruch gets the opportunity to dip to, like, into baby, sweep in. yeah. baby David. Yeah, and that part, I was like, ooh, he was the cause. Very, very cool. Yeah, interesting. Hard to say. when Again, when you get into the concept of time, it's like, did he cause it? Or did right. they create or another timeline? Time exactly. Who fucking knows? Right? Who knows? I mean, I think it's just as easy to believe that Farouk used the opportunity of not having a purple form to piggyback off Xavier to find his offspring. True. True. Where he's just like, this character, this, this person's very powerful and doesn't have the walls that Xavier built up yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, yeah. swoop in. 
And I love just all the like touchbacks to previous seasons with Gabrielle handing David a stuffed animal. And it's the what the fuck's up with that doll? What the, the fuck's up with that fucking doll? Who I gives think, that to a child? I think that was also for Rick. Because then later in the season... Oh, so you think that wasn't that at all? Still? Yeah. Uh, I think that was Farouk slowly creeping into the household. Because yeah. later on you get the same scene okay. of Gabrielle handing baby David a stuffed animal. And it's not the Grace boy in the whole world. Okay, I buy that way more. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I'm like, who in the right mind, first of all... <laughs> we know Gabrielle's messed up. Owned, like, who like, Yeah, but it's just like, yeah, she's messed up because someone gave her that fucking the terrible doll. doll at a <laughs> fucking up kids for generations now. <laughs> okay, that I kind of buy that more that, you know, we as the audience are seeing Farouk change the, the presence of the doll. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like that. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and say that's canon. Okay. <laughs> We've cemented it right. That here. is that is it. We have cracked the case on Legion. Yeah, because I was just I was just like I'm not familiar with you know the culture that uh, Gabrielle's come from, but like you know do they just have a bunch of dolls of terrifying children that they give to their offspring and tell them everything's gonna be okay? They're all terrible. <laughs> not into it. Not into not it. Not into it. I think it's bad. <laughs> Put my foot down on this one. <laughs> Huh, but yeah, what a what a perfect episode of television. That was such a joy to watch, even it's, though the entire yeah. thing was depressing. <laughs> Very sad. But especially because, like, you know, if you listen to our other Legion episodes, and as, and as me and Bernadette know, it's it's an element of the show that we've been talking about since episode one. Where is Charles? What is Charles' role in the show? And, right. you know, for them to give it to us in such a big way and devote so much screen time to it, Probably one of the more uh, undoubtedly satisfying elements of the last season. Oh, definitely. As including, you know, I, I don't think that you can have any qualms with that reveal or, you know, kind of final telling us of how that all went down. Mm-hmm. And using that song, uh, that Rolling Stone song with the colors in her hair. Yeah. And having the tone, like the actual way we see the show from like almost a black and white mm-hmm. in the mental institution. To color once they escape yeah. and give birth to David. Very, very cool. Very cool stuff. But yeah, so these time eaters that are trapped in the time hallway that Switch knows about but doesn't know a lot about them. She says she knows that there are things in there. And the further you go back in time, the more aware. Because they're, they're essentially guardians, yes. right? That's kind of their role. They're almost yes. like... Uh, I don't know, like, like they're like white blood cells, kind of. Like if you're infect, if you're like infecting the body of time, yeah, the endless sea of time, like they're like the defense mm. against that infection, which switch is essentially going down a bloodstream of time. I mean, David kind of holy shit, David kind of becomes a parasite of time. Yeah, he becomes what he hated about Baruch. He becomes a, a parasite into this whole body of existence. I like that you said, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I just kind of figured that out. I was like, oh, damn, that's like, pretty good, right? Yeah. Done and done. Uh, <laughs> wrap it up. But, I mean, like, I don't know, do you buy that? Like, does oh, that, yeah. that kind of make sense? And then they're kind of the defense against people trying, it's like, yeah, you're not supposed to fucking do this, but also, like, we'll eat it up, though, too. Yeah, and then Switch and, I mean, David, especially, Yeah. and Switch. Unleash these time demons, these time eaters um, into the all world. All of time, I guess. The yeah, present all and the past and whatever. The 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 mechanics of the time being of the time eaters is not a hundred percent clear to me. No. I don't know if it's supposed to be. I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. 
But I, I really liked uh, the fact that they kind of took like this weird Doctor Who element. Like they seemed very Doctor Who. That is very Doctor Who. That's a good point. Which yeah. I was into that. And then, they also seem very like practical. The, the, yeah. the design of how they move and then how that carries over to like kind of the realm that Farouk gets trapped in for a little bit. Yes. Brilliant. And again, yes. low budget, I'd imagine. Because it's just it's just still frames. Yeah. It's just the idea of still frames and sound. It just seemed like and like I don't know, it, it's very smart. Yeah, they very smartly designed. They have those characters wear glasses that had literal screens in their glasses, mm. so that their eyes would always be moving. That's very cool. And then they shot them in normal time, and just overlapped those shots, mm-hmm. and just like spliced them and made them jumpy. That's that was so cool. it. That's so cool. And it and comes that, off so neat. And you don't yeah. need to do much with the costume design because they're no. blurry, they're in motion. You know, they just need to be spooky black figures with eyes. And that's all they... And they have cool teeth, too. They do have cool teeth. Quote-unquote cool. Right? It's <laughs> scary. 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 <laughs> yeah. I liked that they, yeah, took this, like, very almost goofy element and just, like, spooked the hell out of me. I mean, that's so Legion, right? Yeah. I mean, like, in Season 2, we have the idea of, of the... Um, Division three like mustachioed ladies, yeah. you know, like that's <laughs> They're the, the time. The time eaters are, are the extension of that mind share, to be sure. Uh, yeah. Not as cool as the familiar, but you know, still pretty cool. Still else. pretty cool. Yeah, I was just really impressed and excited for them to take such a risk like this mm-hmm. that did could come across so goofy that they're like, we know what we're doing. These guys are cool as hell. They could just do fun everything at this point, <laughs> and they did. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was a very cool uh, concept. And now if you're talking about it, I kind of like get it a little bit more. I at least can kind of understand it in that concept. Yeah. You know, I, I like the idea, you know, the idea of time being... It, it's something that's so present and fuckable. Like, you could fuck up time, which makes it, like, more engaged with it. Yes. You know? And... Uh, I think it also speaks to like the medium of film. You know, time in film is what you you know you make in Final Cut, where you cut film together. Like time is is a tangible thing you can grab in film. They're you know they're essentially going into the editing room and editing time. And that's like kind of like you know you go on Avid or Final Cut Pro or Premiere Pro. Like, you know, the, the the time doors that they're in is just a timeline that they're editing. You know, it's yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and I love the idea of like having this space in between time mm-hmm. that reads like an old silent film. I love that. And that was also very like. That Farouk uh, also can just like kill anyone in because he's yeah. like, the best. He's like, he, like, the scene where he just he's space. like he's just like oh yeah this is actually like the realm that I fuck in. <laughs> this is like where I this is like where I fuck. So I'm just gonna take out the giant sword and fuck all these people up real quick. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Which. uh I still think Legion's incredibly unique and yeah. one of a kind, but also I was getting very heavy uh, Twin Peaks The Return vibes. There's yeah. kind of like our buddy episode. Jack. I would like to see this. Oh season. yeah, I, I was, think he's gonna love it. Right. I was hoping Jack would be on here just to talk about like the time realm, like the world between times. I have not. I have not seen Twin Peaks, uh, especially the end of Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> the return. The return of the end. Um, but the. What I've been pitched on on the idea of that like Lynchian storytelling, I'm not sure that's always been present in Legion, 
but I feel like I, I like see it in this season of Legion in particular. Oh, yeah. Um, but you you would know better. You would know it's 100% <laughs> better than I would. <laughs> yeah, there's an episode in From Beaks of Return, which is crazy. Yeah. It's like essentially the birthing of the Lodges, which is a whole other thing. Sure, I don't know what that means. But it also takes place kind of like out of time in this weird space gotcha. where things are kind of like a flip book. Yeah. And people move in strange ways. And mm-hmm. it's mostly quiet. Like, there's not a lot of sound, sound yeah. going on. And yeah, that's like the time between realms. I was like, ooh, it's I cool. like this. This is fun. Yeah. I, I'm into this. <laughs> it's interesting. It, it, it you know, it, it's interesting to see artists try and convey to the best of their ability, like, spaces that, like, I, f- I feel like something like that could exist in between the fabrics of our reality. You know? Yeah. Like, and to see someone like Noah Hawley just, like, understand how to, like, convey that visually is very cool. <laughs> yeah. It's very cool. What am I thinking of? I'm blanking on the actual subject material, but there's something where characters go behind a veil to get to places faster. Oh, uh... I mean, Doctor Who kind of does that. Doctor Who totally does yeah, that. Yeah, but, um... I feel like I know what you're talking about, too. Yeah. Uh, it's like, let me teach you this quick way to get someplace. Chalk Zone. I don't think that's it. I don't think so either. But Chalk Zone <laughs> does do that. Have you ever watched Chalk Zone? No. That might be... We have a little bit of age difference. But, like, uh-huh. Chalk Zone is, like... I can't remember what's on Chalk Zone. <laughs> chalk Zone is this kid who has magic chalk. Okay. And he can kind of go between realms by, like, creating a circle. Kind of like Stitch. Kind of like Stitch. Switch, yeah, sorry. Yeah, kind of like Switch. It is It is actually very similar. Chalk Zone and Switch. But, uh... Yeah, he can kind of, he can create anything with the chalk, but you also go between, like, realms and things like that, too. They, oh, don't, they, don't, they don't discuss it like that? What are you thinking of? American Gods. That's what I was thinking. Oh, that is very much like that. Yeah. Yeah. American Gods. There's a few different examples of, of the idea of people, like, kind of creating, like, wormholes between realms and compressing themselves between it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, Doctor Strange. Yeah. Is a very similar idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So any any more about the time eaters for now before we get into the last three episodes? I mean, I think we kind of see them come back in the last one, but yeah, you know, sure. I, I think the idea of them being the, the ever looming threat I think is really fun, and then the way that like you know, uh, just to kind of get out of the way now, so we can talk about the heavier shit later, is just the the idea that the the literal editing, the kind of kind of reinforcing kind of what I brought up earlier of like time being an editable, tangible thing in film, of them kind of being like. The parasites in film reel, you know, where like literal scenes and edits change for the quote unquote worse. Yeah. But like we like get it, you know, it, it looks like glitches in the system because that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Yeah, meta or otherwise. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. Their their presence is, is very felt without them having to like totally be there, which makes them like a really fun threat. Yes. Very cool. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, at the end of uh, episode five, we have the Time Eaters and David's call infiltrating the Airbus because yeah. everything is kind of culminating in his head. He does a weird like sci-fi Manson murder. So he gets all of his ladies in there to stab people. Yes. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's weird how similar. I feel like this entire year he's been like, wait, I just watched this, but in a different way. Yeah. I mean, then Ozark's gonna come out, and the guy who plays Charles Manson. 
Is it Ozark? Or no, Mindhunters. Mindhunters. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. the guy is uh, Charles Manson, and what's by the time in Hollywood's gonna be him too. Yeah, and it's it was weird. like Maya Hawke who watched her in Stranger Things, and then yeah. she was in Once Upon a Time. It's just like a lot of like weird. Like, didn't Legion? I just see something like yeah. this? Yeah, I mean, I think between Legion and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just the the prolificness of like cult murders or yeah. like cult infatuation, you know, very different, but like definitely. Legion is evoking something, to be sure. Oh, you know? for sure. I think it is definitely evoking those players. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. So, yeah, he has all of his ladies come on board because they're recovering Switch, who carry stole. Yes. In a very Re- fun res- rescue-ish. way. Rescued. Because mm-hmm. uh, I know you said you wanted to talk about that, but I didn't He know. just, like, Charlie Chaplin's his way out. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I mean, we. You know what I have to say about it? It's fucking perfect. It's great. <laughs> He's a good character. The way, cause like the way he escapes, it's just like he uses his knowledge of perception mm-hmm. to evade his captor. Yeah. That is it. And that's it's, it. And it's brilliant. You know. It's great. Because that's that's all. That's what the show is kind of about is perception. Yeah. Know? I mean, I, I don't want to like trivialize what the show is about many things, but one one of the. The elements of it is perception, how your perception may not be correct. He uses that kind of loophole to escape conflict. Which was the way he was caught in the first place. Also true. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's a very capable character. And, and again, it's very fun to see a capable character like him, you know, juxtaposed against Carrie with a K. And they use different means of escaping. One maybe a little bit more traditional for screen, maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have all of this like chaos aboard the airship. Meanwhile, Sid is talking to a past version of herself, she thinks. Oh, right, and it's not. And it's not. Because apparently the time meters can do all kinds of shit, right? Yeah, and we also have like David talking to his mom in a concentration camp, and that thing is all awful. Fake also. Ugh. But, yeah, that's yeah. rough. That's what's rough. One of my favorite scenes is the young Sid kind of telling you, because we get the, the young Sid story in a different capacity in season two, yeah. where we don't really see her remorse. We just see young Sid doing a thing that she probably shouldn't have, yeah. but feeling like she was vindicated and that she in, enjoyed it to a certain degree. But then you Are we learn, talking about the bully scene or are we talking about the shower scene? The shower scene. Gotcha. And then you get I her, guess they're, they're both kind of two sides of the coin. Yeah. 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 Which I'm sure is why they Revisit it. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. And then to see young Sid telling the story from her point of view rather than David finding out about it from yeah. his point of view. Because David can uh, changes it so that it's more fitting with how he would interpret that. Mm-hmm. That, like, Sid was in control. And, of course, a man's going to hurt her. And yeah. she's powerful and I love her. But then to find that young Sid, which is also maybe a fake story because it's a time eater telling the story. I mean, the regular Sid believes her, right? Yeah. So, I Who's think it's to say? That, that, that Those scenes in particular are weird, because, like, the, the reveal that it's the time years the whole time is kind of, like, there's so much, like, real character development that happened right before this reveal. It's a yes. little it's a little strange. Um, again, a choice that I'm sure is, is there on purpose, but it's, uh, I think the more interesting version is that time was collapsing, so they were engaging with past versions of themselves. Right. Less so that it was just a villain masquerading to try and talk to them. Because we've seen that before. That's cool. Right. We've already... that That's a motif that we have seen. As right. strange as it is. Uh, I mean, it's, I think it still works in the past episode. But yeah. yeah, I totally agree that, like, it's... The more interesting elements of it were kind of deflated 
because of the By, reveal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because we, as the audience, are so open and willing to see different iterations of Sid throughout time. Because, <laughs> because they built yeah. out an entire season predicated on the fact that a future Sid is manipulating events. Yeah. And so to have this younger Sid come back, I totally bought it. Yeah, I was like, that's Hope, fine. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. And then, yeah, to have that, like, rug pulled out from under me. In kind strange. of a cheap way, almost, you know, like, how omnipotent are the time eaters? How, how knowledgeable are they of, like, human interests? Like, why can they do this? Right. Why do they not do it all the time? Right. You know, why do they even choose to be in this, like, beast form? Right. So, it's, Which, a, little, it's a little strange. Maybe that, little that strange. could be, a, a you know. Something we rewatch and maybe understand a little bit more. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I also had similar uh, questions about that. But that helped reinforce my understanding of Switch telling Sid, like, your lives are important. Yeah. They matter. So maybe the Time Eaters are more aware of what we do on a day-to-day yeah. basis. Like, we, we all have values. We all live important lives. I mean... And they know our stories. If we understand them as, like, this defense mechanism, then yeah. So. Yeah, they're just of, doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So they kind of freeze up that villainous intent. That yeah. See. They're that, that, that we're kind of, Yeah, exactly. That, and that, I think that's what, not to speak for you, but I think that's what we're getting hung up on. Yeah. Is the idea of that it's like. Bad versus villainous. Good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But to hear Sid kind of start to reveal, like, we fall in love. Yeah. And it's great. And then he. Is it, is it Ben's over? What's the phrase? And then he turned me around. He turned me around. That's what it is. And yeah. it's like so powerful. He just says that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very fucked up. up. And then you see poor Sid decide to switch with David, body-wise. And then, and then David walks her in his mind. Yeah. But then kind of a, a, a further... He does a shitty thing. But also, like, you know, we... we we kind of story for, of Legion. Story David, of does Legion. A, David does a bad thing, thing. <laughs> uh, especially when you're in the context of his brain. But uh, it's another thing where we're seeing like she goes into David's mind. I think she kind of learns like, oh, he is fucked up. Right yeah, now. we we didn't know we this. didn't know that this was going on because that's kind of what you and I were talking about at the end of season two. We we're just like. Yeah. Oh, I think that's, like, one of my knocks against season two, or at least like during the podcast, what we're talking about, where I was just, like, I feel like season one was such a champion for mental health, that for season two to kind of fall back on it and be like, no, he's mentally unstable, this is why he's doing these things. And in not a curable way. In not a curable way, it felt, like, problematic in, like, a social context. Yes. And I don't know if this is really reinforcing here or there, but, like, in this season we we see the kind of physical or uh, visual manifestation of, like, how mentally ill he is, which is more in line with the comic books, that he has multiple personality disorder, he's schizophrenic, when you enter his mind he has some control over it, but he is clearly not David, he is Legion. Legion, yeah. Yeah, and uh, when, when she gets stuck in there, it's not, there's a good David who doesn't want to hurt her, and he gets pretty, he gets snuffed out pretty early to the legion of other demons. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that yeah. gives Sydney the capacity in her heart to want to forgive. I think so too. Because she knows she's like, he's so far gone. But there's, you know, one of twenty in there that's good. Right. And that's who I talk to a lot, you know. So Right. 
she wants to save the the one twentieth of David that's left. Yeah, and under the right tutelage as a child, mm-hmm. this could be curtailed. Like this could be actually could be changed. Yeah. yeah, this can be groomed. Yeah, it's because he's interesting. so angry at that point. Like all yeah. the anger that's built up between being possessed by Farouk. The things he has seen. Yeah. The fact that he found out that he was left and abandoned. I mean, I think, all you know, the, the show wants you to feel for David, but not... I mean, forgiveness, I guess, is, as an audience member, it's, it's on you or not, you know? But right. I, th- I think, you know, the show wants you to be like... It, it, it makes his bad guys very fleshed out. Yes. And, Agreed. Uh, I don't think that's a, that's a bad thing at all. Mm-mm. Narratively, at least. Yeah. I think that I think that's when the commentation on like the real issues and, and the narrative kind of separate where it's just like these are fake people. We can make them as interesting or bad as we want. <laughs> right. Uh, whereas like, you know, that, that when I was bringing up the cancel culture and things like that before, like I'm not sure how relevant that is to like that discussion anymore. But I don't know, it's it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the show goes to great lengths to make you sympathize with the villains. Oh absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean Legion is billed as a villain even before the show started. Right. He's a bad guy in the comics. He's a, he's a villain in the comic books, you know? So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. So Sid gets trapped on this astral plane, which is this like, beautiful place full of nature. Yeah, they go to New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> they go to New Zealand. <laughs> they go to New Zealand. Not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right. you, you finally have Oliver. Yeah. He's there, which is great. You have Melanie. And the wolf. And the wolf. Oh my gosh, Jason Manzukas. When I, <laughs> I'm so glad that you did not tell me. That. Oh, it was Cause hard because you, you saw it before I did, and you're just like, it's another one-off episode where things are a little weird. I'm like, oh, is anything? Is it good? And you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe the best. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then I watch it, and like, you know, it's in terms of like the one-off episodes. I love the season two one-off where it's like, a, it's like a, a 23 stories of David almost. You know. Uh huh. Um. But this episode's fucking good. It's so good. It's so fucking good. And it's like, it's so, again, it's like something that's like so on brand while also like has nothing to do with like what's happening, which is weird that they show can even fucking do that. Yes. And like doesn't even try and like, it it doesn't even have a moment to like bloat in it either. It's kind of like, no, here's a weird fucking thing. Moving on. And I it's love like, why <laughs> <laughs> I love where most shows would have done that, like episode four. They're like, no, we're gonna do it the third to the last episode. The third to last episode of the entire series. <laughs> right. And like, you know, how impactful I found it to the actual end of the season, uh, I think I'm still trying to figure out because I don't know. Like Sid having this other life and how it impacts her to, to do things in the last two episodes, like She's not a major part of those last two episodes, you know. So, no. so it's kind of it's a it's a strange choice. I mean, maybe they just really wanted to have a rap battle at the end, <laughs> which like yeah. I mean, like, are you here for that? I'm, here for that. I'm I mean, way here for yeah, that. Yeah, so like that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, to see the hip hopopotamus come back and blow some crazy beats about. A rap battle where people are talking about I haven't seen I haven't seen um, uh, Eight Mile (laughs) No, no, that movie is gonna be nothing. Who needs it (laughs) (laughs) compared to this like beat poetry rap battle? It's some next level shit. Like I'm very into it. 
and just hearing the wolf like, did you tell her about chlamydia yet? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, like, you know, that that's the, those episodes are the very, like, I don't even, not even saying, like, those episodes, because it's not really too many like it, but, like, elements of, of the astral plane just being so surreal, and especially, like, Oliver's engagement with the astral plane, where he's just like, yeah, I don't really remember it, remember anything, you know, like, I don't, remembering is, like, such an out-there concept for when you live in this place. I guess that's the idea, is, like, if you're taking Homestead in the astral plane, there are certain rules and non-rules that apply, and I think that maybe is what they're going for. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The point of the episode, like, capital P in quotes, point of the episode, I'm not sure if I get I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. I loved that somehow innately... Oliver and Melanie still had it so rooted in their core that they were going to help Sid, although they didn't know she was Sid. Yeah. They kind of knew. Oliver's like, yeah, that's, she told me what her name was, and it's Sydney. Yeah. But the fact that it was like in their history, And they're like, do we know who she is? She's like, hey, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't fucking know. The fact that that was like such like a, to use a Doctor Who term, sure. a fixed point in time that Oliver and Melanie are supposed to help Sydney, mm-hmm. and no matter which realm we meet her in... This is something that happens. This is something Hard that happens. Hard happens, yeah. Yeah, and the fact that Sydney got to live this entire second childhood in such like a nice nurturing state, mm-hmm. where her powers aren't even in play at all. She, guess, she's like aware of them, but they like never manifest at all. So maybe is the, is the point... Not to, to try and boil it down too hard, because it needs to be, but is the idea that we're teaching her empathy so that she can tackle the problem with David? Because I guess that's like the whole roundabout idea of the last few episodes where it's like, let's tackle this with empathy. Mm-hmm. Let's not tackle this with conflict. Right. So they need to equip her with empathy so she can tackle this idea. Because in episode one, season three, she's killing David, mm-hmm. which essentially is not solving the problem. Right. But if she's equipped with empathy, she's better equipped to fix the issue, mm-hmm. to save the world. Or is that what's at play, you think? Yeah, I think yeah. that's an element of it, for sure. Mm-hmm. But to get approached with this Cynthia character, this one that the wolf is trying to manipulate, but they're also trying to manipulate her towards good rather yeah. than evil, and for her to learn the lesson that some people can't be saved. Some people have committed. Some people have chlamydia. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for any of you listeners who have chlamydia. We're not villainizing you. No, I mean, also, also like, see a doctor, because that one can go away. <laughs> you can, you can, like, That's a solvable one. You can figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, the fact that she's taught that lesson and is uh, equipped, as you said, yeah. to go into the real world knowing that the David that she has once loved is still in there. Right. But that... The iteration of which he has become, it can't be saved. It doesn't want to be saved. Yeah. It's beyond that. Because she's iterative now. You know, mm-hmm. she's had, like, two childhoods. She's had, like... With the memory of both. It's crazy. Yeah. She's kind of given the opportunity that David's trying to give himself. Yes. Ah, that's it, right? That's, I, it. that's it. Yeah. I think... Yeah. Cool. Right, we figured it out. <laughs> we again. figured it out. And done. Yeah, so that's, like, kind of it, though. Like, she's given this, like, second chance, this second childhood, which is what David is seeking out the entire time. Yeah. And now she's just like, oh, 
I am better because of this. So you can't be Surely too. he will be better. And the stakes are a little bit higher because it's this guy. Yeah. Interesting. And I also like that on the astral plane, she was, like, no one was telling her, you are different. Yeah. Which is, like, what her entire existence was. Mm-hmm. Whereas David, what, like, he, his difference was recognized, but in a negative way. Right. When he was growing up. And she's like, well, I can give him a childhood, too, where his difference is recognized, but in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Just like in my second childhood. Yeah. So, yeah. Into it. Yeah, I read so many, like, I'm on the Legion Facebook page and the Legion Reddit, whatever. And yeah. I heard so many comments of, like, the female characters in this show suck. Fuck off. Why didn't this episode have David in it? I'm just like, you guys are idiots. And someone's like, I can't. Like, I hope the next season's better, and it's like, you're an idiot, this is the last season. That's just people who don't <laughs> fucking get it, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't I, know. I, I think, you know, as we're having a very good dialogue about it, you know, I, I think the show wears a lot of what it is on its sleeve, you know? Yeah, like, it's, it's not... It's not dense. It's not trying to confuse you. Right. That's right. kind of the thing. They wouldn't have all those John Hamm narrated scenes in season two <laughs> if they were trying to confuse you. Right. If they were, they would take all those literally out, <laughs> you know, and, and it would you'd be, be a like, "What?" Show. It's like, all right, this show I think is pretentious. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah but I mean, this kind of rounds us into the ultimate conflict, which is yeah. not so conflictive at all. Right? No. Yeah. And I think these last two episodes are the ones to me that feel like one episode. Rarely have I watched Legion and been like. This was one episode split into two different chapters. Yeah. But these final two episodes very much feel like one contained situation. Yeah, especially because yeah. the second one, like, picks up pretty quick. Yeah, it just, it did yeah. feel very fast. And that's not a bad thing. That's just, uh, yeah. some things end, and when they end, they feel fast. It's inevitable. I think they, they fit everything they needed to. Um, I think... To start with, like, the end end of it and maybe work our way back is, yes. like, you know, the idea of two characters you have seen interact for three seasons fade out of existence is a little, it feels, like, not rewarding, but what they created, which is, like, this baby, which is this life, you know, they, we are essentially, like, you know, the David baby we see as final shot of the show required five parents to make sure he was okay. You know, yeah. we have David, we have Sid, we have Charles, we have Gabrielle, we have Farouk, and you want to add a sixth one? Other Farouk. So, like, you know, like, there's a lot of, you know, Both there's... Farouks. All the Farouks are there. Yeah. Um, oh, too many cooks in the Farouk pot. Um, you know, so, like, it's a little, it's maybe, like, literally unsatisfying uh-huh. to see them fade out like that, but, like, what they have accomplished by the point that this episode happens, it's even to even be given a quiet moment between David and Sid at all should be something that, you know, that's, this is what the show's about, you know? Oh gosh, yeah. And, I, you know, I, that was my, that was kind of my hot take reaction where I was just like, Really like the episode. Really like the, the idea of hitting it from a non-confrontational point of view, and I had my brain churning about no Holly and superhero narrative and all those things that like I, this is like the part I really want to talk about. But also like I, I felt a little unsatisfied by 
kind of having 24 hours to really roll over. So I'm like, no, this is this is it. And you know, I would I would love more seasons of Legion, but it just would be the X Men. <laughs> yeah. Because that's kind of what I've been hinting at the whole time. Whereas I think this is the proto timeline to the X Men timeline. Yeah. You know, because that's why it feels so out of time. That's why it feels so weird. Because like, it, it could easily be like, no, this is what leads Charles to create the X Men. It's all of the shit happening and then getting erased that causes him to to do these things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what they're trying to to sell us on, you know? Where it's mm-hmm. like, this is why it's not like any other X-Men story. Because the X-Men didn't exist in, that in this story. timeline, you know? But we have erased it, so now they can exist. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, the final yeah. conversation between Gabrielle and Charles. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just like, alright, that's... The thing is, what's cool is, like, that's enough. That's enough. That's all you need to be like, oh, he's going to start, oh, okay, that's, oh, 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 that's, oh, that's all I've ever wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Damn. Cool. That's it. Yeah. I really like, I don't know if it was, like, my Catholic upbringing or the fact that I'm more Mm biblical-minded, but the fact that essentially what the story is leading up to is removing the original sin out of this child. Sure. It's very, very No, cool. I mean, I think that's a very valid... Even, even you know, with or without the uh, biblical poignancy of it, I mean, that's the idea, right? Right. Remove sin for anything else. Like, that's what they're trying to do. So that this child... It was essentially a baptism for... Yeah. For baby David. No, I buy that 100%. Which I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, and to see these characters so at peace with each other. As I said initially, like, seeing the fire go out of Sidney's eyes mm. felt very sad to me it's defeating because she she doesn't get her validation yeah on her own terms but it's because that is a petty thing to think and i know as like a human that that's the thing that i struggle with yeah and so understanding that these characters are bigger than what people can even strive to be the fact that sydney can look at him and just say be good be a good boy be a good boy i mean it's so comforting we we learn you know, through Switch, that Sid is going to be, she said, you're going to be glorious, you're going to be amazing. But it's like if someone told you on your deathbed, like, when you reincarnate, <laughs> you're going to be so fucking cool. It's like, am I going to remember? Like, uh, <laughs> no. It's like, I don't really care what you're saying to me. Right. You know? And then, like, you know, that, that kind of reinforces when you see them fade out mm-hmm. into the ether. Mm-hmm. Like, they are dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's. And it's cool it's, because it's something. I mean, I don't know. Being, yeah. In that, in my age group, think more about death and shit. But yeah, because Sid is essentially lot. fighting for her life the entire season. She knows if David causes this end of the world, that she's going to die, and she's afraid of that. Yeah. But then she comes to terms with death. She knows she's going to die. She also and has to have like three it. different like lifespans, so yeah. she's probably just like. <laughs> she is also time. Who yeah, cares? Yeah, like I lived a lot, I suppose. So I guess we'll just do that again. Yeah, again. So yeah, yeah I, it's cool. And then you know, we have. I think my my favorite scene of that episode, and maybe of like the whole series, is is Charles coming at Farouk with a knife, and Farouk. Changing it into a beer bottle and being like, <laughs> or a bottle of whatever, yeah. Because that's like, 
I like in the past like month or two, I wrote that article about the Dark Phoenix right. review. And the Dark Phoenix is a movie that's like The Last Stand, which is the worst X Men movie. Yeah, it's bad. Written by the same guy and then directed by that guy, and it just makes <laughs> the same mistakes. And then it's but then like you kind of think about all the X Men movies, and you're just kind of like, yeah, how long is the Brotherhood and the X Men gonna fucking fight each other before they're just done? And then when you come to this narrative in Legion, you have Farouk and you have Charles Xavier being like, what if we just sat down and talked? What if we just didn't fight anymore? Yeah. And Farouk had to like really sell his point, I'm sure. And I'm, I'm also sure that time does not matter in that realm. No. So you probably had all the time in the world to have a beer, get a little drunk with his boy, and be like, hey man, in my timeline, you murdered me, and I did some bad shit to your son, and I'm just done. Like, I wish none I, of it I am just done. I feel bad. Like, I have had an arc. I don't want to do this shit anymore. And, like, I don't know. It's it's a little bit more powerful to me as someone who loves the Marvel movies and loves Avengers Endgame than everyone just having to fucking fight Thanos at the end, you know? Like, yeah. as much as I like that stuff, you know? And I don't want that to go away necessarily, but it'd be nice to have more narratives kind of like this where you just have characters really... Figure it out. Yeah, and to have a nonviolent conflict. Yeah. Know? To have it has all the elements and all the gravitas of conflict. Yeah. It has all of the narrative elements of conflict. It could have been a gunfight. It could have been a knife fight. It's very similar to the scene where David and Farouk wrestle when yes. they're having conversations. It's very similar to that. And I don't think that that scene is a truce either. I don't think it's armistice. I think it's a conflict, and they're talking it out, and that's how they're deciding to engage in that. You just don't see that in superhero movies. You and don't. It's, it's so cool to see in this. It's so... It's game-changing, and I, and I hope it actually... Changes some game. I think so. I, I hope yeah. so, man. Like, you know, I, I don't know how much, like, Polar Legion has at this point, but, like... Ah, I loved it. Like, yeah. I, I loved it. You know, as a long-time nerdy superhero guy, I loved it. Finally, I've seen a narrative that ended very peacefully, peacefully and happily. You know. Mm-hmm. I also think it's great that this show put such a seed of doubt in me as I watch it. Yeah. Because Farouk is still kind of like that Loki character, where right, I'm not quite sure. I'm not necessarily convinced that I didn't, current day, I didn't trust him. Current day Farouk didn't show all of that to past Farouk. Only to be like, this is how we continue to live. Yeah. Is by not engaging in David this way. Mm-hmm. There's another way for us. Right. We won't know if that's what Farouk's end goal was. What to like save this battle for later. Yeah. Or if Farouk really did have the emotional arc that we hope that he had. Yeah. To come to this conclusion. That's what makes him so interesting and complex. You don't know if he's self-serving. Because mm-hmm. I, I looked over at Heath when I was watching that. And so I'm like, think this is... I'm like, Charles could be drinking the literal Farouk Kool-Aid right now. Very literal, yeah. And we don't know. But you just and how cool the, is that? The thing is, like, when when you think back on it, and like, think about like when you were thinking about like Sid losing the life in their eyes. Think about Farouk, glasses off, staring at Charles. Like, does he not look like now He's that we, especially now that we've seen the episode? Uh-huh. So now it kind of rounds out. Uh-huh. He just looks like he's fucking you think he's done. done. And like you know, it seems like in 30 years he. What he didn't learn in 2000. 
Yeah. You know, and that well, I think that's because super he had a son. Too. Exactly. So he had to to be a father figure. He had to be a failed father figure because you know if he if he's gonna take this role as surrogate father, mm-hmm. he has to admit that he has done wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think he he still might be hiding under the idea of survival, but Maybe. who's to say? Who's to say? Um, and I also yeah. uh, can't quite. I'm still like fleshing it out. Mm-hmm. The idea of Baruch having all these other orphan children living with him. Yes. Who are quote unquote mute? Who are not mute? No. So the the idea of him having this caged monkey who is secretly a king. A tyrant, yeah. And. He's kind of assumed that king position, and he's giving everyone what they want, which is exactly what we're told about Farouk when we first learn about he him. He also is doing exactly what David does in the future. Yes. Very cool. Very, very cool. Except very cool. Farouk's people are, are children. Yeah. So you wonder if he's been searching for a child to parent this entire time, and then he finally gets one, and that's the one that he can fully invest in because yeah. he's like him mm-hmm. rather than all of these other children i mean i think but you know it, it's, it's such an interesting it's hard episode. to know like it's it's hard to know what pretense baruch brought charles there because we only know about the timeline they get fucked with right right you know we know the outcome of like the original charles meeting baruch scenario we don't know what's on about mm-hmm. we know how it ends mm-hmm. and we know what it leads to and that's kind of it but you know, like the the step by step moments of it, we're not totally sure how that went down. No. Which is very cool, and we just are kind of giving the new version. I also love the idea of Charles and David like pulling weapons out of their ears. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's just fun, you know. And like the son teaching the father how to do it. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, like, like the father also doing like a way more like kind of efficient method, I would argue. <laughs> yeah. But different. Not like or, the weird or, mace that. I was David not Pulse. sure what that was. I was like, it's Google. And I was like, oh, it's amazing. Okay. <laughs> Fun. So. Yeah. Yeah, very, very into it. I like the idea of David. Uh, I still didn't get to see the guest. I wanted to watch it before this <sighs> podcast. But David comes in and he's like a soldier that Charles knew. I And think... he like invites himself to dinner. I was like, this has got to be something. If you a see, little nod. If you see the, I mean, you know the basic concept of the guest, yes. as I can glean. Yeah. That might be just what it is. Oh, okay. I would like to think that it is what inspired it, though. Because also, uh, it's fun. And the guest is again. If you if you're listening, and have not seen the guest, go out and see it. Very bad. You are I need listening. To see it. And you need to see the guest. <laughs> please go see it. It's so good. And I also loved uh, the the portrait of Charles that Farouk painted, painted concocted yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. Is hanging on the wall and it gets ripped and it's over the face and it's kind of like uh, David Dan Stevens playing the Beast in Beauty and the Beast oh, a little and the bit, painting yeah. ripped. Yeah, I was just like, what is this? I mean, I think even I think even the idea of it being like a musical at the end could be, you know, them being like, hey Dan, can you sing? <laughs> yeah, oh, you can. Oh, you can. Cool. So we're gonna make you do that. <laughs> and again, like you know, we we have a Pink Floyd song at the end, the building of the wall, which is like. Uh, Isn't that like one of the coolest things you've ever seen? Having Gabrielle sing to her son. Yeah. And having that being the way that David can unleash the literal uh, vest. The constraints that he's on, yeah. Which is which is Farouk, Farouk? which is also a great reveal as well. You know, I I bring up 
uh, Noah Hawley and Dr. Doom a lot because there was a rumor that before the Fox acquisition happened that uh, Noah Hawley was developing a Dr. Doom script and that since it got acquired by Disney, he is still kind of talking about a Dr. Doom script which would be a part of the MCU. And I don't know how much you know about Dr. Doom. A little. He's pretty cool. <laughs> um, outside of the Fantastic Four movies, his, his lore is very interesting. He's like a He's not too unlike David. He's like a he's like a Romanian freedom fighter who ends up getting inundated with power and starting an empire. Um, and one of the things he talked about, he's just like, I, I want to do the Dark to Do movie, you know, like I wanted to break out into a musical. And I read this before, kind of like the, the ending of Legion happens, and like he's like, I can break out into musical. It could be all these different genres. I want it to be all these different things. And then seeing the end of Legion, and now like having that interview in context, it's just like. I really love to make this movie because I think that he is the perfect vision for it. Especially if you do a Doctor Doom movie and then you set him up as like a major villain in the MCU, you make us just fucking sympathize with him so hard. Yeah. Villains are beings too. They are not just bad by default. No. They have arcs. This is yeah. how you do it. This is it. Sometimes yeah. just put the spotlight on them and still make them bad, but show us how. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. And then to end the entire series on Happy Jack by the Who, which mm. is how we begin yeah. the whole thing. It's is, perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. It's, you know, I could see, like, I, I felt a little, unsa- a little, like, a little bit unsatisfied. <laughs> just a smidge. Just a little unsatisfied when it ended. I think just because, like, I think you're supposed to a little bit. But then, yeah. you know, after sitting with it, and now, especially dissecting it with you, you know, there, there's everything you need. If you have been a fan of Legion, it's all here. It's all there for you. They treat you with a ton of respect and give you what you what you needed. Maybe not what you wanted. Yeah. But it turns out that's what I wanted anyway, so it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's the, whole, so good. the whole time you're trying to figure out who you are and how you factor into the show, and it turns out you're Switch. You're losing your baby teeth. To go beyond yeah. the plane. You are that character. Yeah, definitely. And then by the time that Legion is over, you've grown. Mm-hmm. And now you can look back on it as a whole and see it for what it is all three seasons yeah. together. And yeah, if, if that doesn't work for you, that's fine. It doesn't have to. Yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you've been listening to this song, I you, imagine you like, you like it. Yeah, <laughs> so like, to speak to you, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I've had a blast talking yes. about this show with you, Robbie. I'm sure this will be something that we continue to talk about off Absolutely. mic. I'm very glad that we have talked about it because now we can keep talking about it at work because I feel like we've kept a lot of our conversations about Legion. <laughs> like, you hush, hush. That, did you like the episode? Yeah, I like it. All right, sure. I'm <laughs> <laughs> guessing over the podcast. So I'm glad now it's all out there in the open so now we can just talk about it freely. Yeah. Which is good. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I feel like I think about it a lot, but it's always these kind of talks that help really like get through the weeds of some of the stuff that I maybe didn't think about enough. Yeah. And yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. We hear time right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, listeners. I know this was a long one. I didn't think it was going to be this long, but then we had a lot of really cool, interesting things to say. Apparently, so. yeah. So thank you for sticking through, and uh, hopefully we'll 
catch you next time. I don't really know what we have in the lineup as of yet. Probably might be less trippy or more. Who fucking knows, right? Who knows? Yes. But thank you so much, and uh, make sure to check us out everywhere. Uh, StoryScreenBeacon.com is the main hub. Make sure to go and interact with us if you like. If you love Legion, comment at the bottom of the page. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, thank you, and we will talk to you later. Peace. Bye.